I need a barrel of blubber for my mustache. I'll never tell. The only error you made was coming to this soccer practice. I can only say I'm sorry so many times. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's a perfect graveyard of buried hopes. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. That's what comes with keeping current wine in the house. Well, you know, you had to trick me somehow, drunkie. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, welcome back, cousins. We are here to deliver our thoughts, our many, many thoughts, <laughs> on Anne of Green Gables. But first, it's time to name our cousin of the week. Excellent. Cousin Maddie writes, What ho, cousins? I shall keep this telegram relatively brief, since the attached offerings are decidedly not. I recently put together a list of books, TV shows, and movies for fans of Downton Abbey for my public library. I found a lot of recommendations from cousins and elsewhere that my library doesn't have in stock, so I decided to cultivate a separate expanded list for my own amusement. What will those wacky librarians think to do next? Although you've already got the 2014 hiatus schedule well in hand, I thought you might find these lists useful in the future. Since I was having so much fun messing about in publisher to make the pamphlet and booklet, I also made a hiatus schedule poster for you. Cheers for the many hours of hilarity you have brought me, and the many hours yet to come, Cousin Maddie. P.S. I can understand why you've decided to cut out the telegrams from our cousins portion of the podcast due to time concerns, but I really miss them. Would you consider doing an occasional all-mailbag episode? All right. Well, thank you, Cousin Maddie. And yes. that poster is really rad. It's very impressive. We'll be sharing that and your recommendation list, which is 53 pages long. It's surprisingly it's long. It's shockingly long. Yeah. So we'll all be set for uh, the any, foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the whole Edwardian uh, post-World War One era, I think we'll all be covered from here to eternity. <laughs> uh, and as far as the mailbag episode goes, we're, you know, we'd love to do something like that. We just kind of, like... Don't have any time. We, uh, so we'll see what we can do. If we do one, you will be the first to know, all of you listening. Right. Depending on when you download the podcast. Exactly. Question, I suppose. Right. But uh, yeah. But I mean, we love all the telegrams we get. And, you know, we get more than we can read. And, uh, you know, it's great. And we'd love to, you know, sort of acknowledge that and give people their moment in the podcast Totally. Spotlight. And responses uh, as we can. Yeah. In real time. All right. Uh, again, if you'd like to be considered for Cousin of the Week, you can write to us upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com on Twitter, aka Carrier Pigeons, at 5 Maggie Smiths. That's at 5, the number 5 Maggie Smiths. Or find us on Facebook, upyoursdownstairs, exclamation point. All right. Without further ado, yes. we do have a guest this episode. Oh, my goodness. I know, two guests in a row. It's very exciting. So now we can welcome, he's poised, he's ready to go. Let's do this. Bay Area comedian, Kevin O'Shea. Hello. How Hi. are you guys doing? We're well. We're doing well. Hello yeah. to you too, podcasting yeah. listening audience. <laughs> no, it's funny. We had uh, another guest on last week who's also a comedian, Allison Mick, who you okay. know. Okay, yeah. And when I Very introduced funny. her, we both felt like we should like be holding for applause. Like, yeah, normally, keep it you know, going. Yeah, make it loud, like, right, you guys. Make it loud. Clap while you're listening Coming on the to bus. The microphone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so welcome, Kevin. I like that your audience demographic can't afford cars. <laughs> um. Well, some of them can. Some of them can, but choose not to. Well, they do. Actually, we have gotten uh, letters from them in the past where they're like, "Oh, I'm like laughing hysterically in traffic, and people are giving me weird looks." That's uh, awesome. That's yeah. True. No, they do. They do it everywhere. You know, and in the home, in transit. 
sometimes around family members who are listening. In the bedroom, in the bathroom. Probably. You know. On the living room table, you know. (laughs) Cousins, do you listen to our (laughs) podcast in the bedroom? If so, we don't want to hear your story. Yeah. (gasps) But I mean, do what you feel. Hit me up. Tell me that story. At OJ Computer on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Get him. Let him know. 140 characters. Tell me what you're doing (laughs) listening to this podcast in your bedroom. Uh, on that disturbing note, <laughs> so we're all here to talk about Anne of Green Gables, which Kevin volunteered to talk about, and I was very excited to have another male person talking about this. Uh, I don't know why. I just feel well, like it's just you know breaking all the rules. Yeah, it's it's transgressive. It's a it's a very uh, you know it's it's a female centric story mm-hmm. i mean the main character is a woman i guess that's the fancy way of saying that <laughs> right it's a, it's female led yeah. luckily luckily for you this is a very fancy podcast yeah. <laughs> we're super fancy. there's like two male characters and they barely talk that's true yeah there, oh, there, a... there's like the the brother farmer who just comes in every once in a while and saves the day and then they never show him farming or doing anything like, <laughs> well, well, they showed him with a cow one time okay that... he was like milking a cow or no, that's right. They were, he was feeding a cow one time, and then yeah, he, he had a- one more encounter with a cow uh, at the end. Yeah. We'll, we just know we'll he rarely that. goes to town. Yeah, never at that time of year. Whatever never that, a suit. We don't know what that time of the year is. But <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe they tell us. I wasn't yeah. really paying attention. He only goes on Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he TPs the whole town. Yeah. <laughs> and they all just let him because it's Matthew and... He's a little simple. I always wonder that with like agrarian like culture, because like during the winter you don't have anything to do, so it's just like you just hang out at your house and just get drunk all the time, or or what? Oh, not these just, people. No, no. I mean, these are hardworking Christians. Yeah. But I was just. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Because in the very beginning, Mrs. Hammond, right after her husband bites it. Uh, spoiler alert, everybody. Yeah, if you, you didn't s- make it through the yeah. first seven minutes. <laughs> but you see her when Anne comes down and yeah. is like begging her not to send her back to the orphanage. She's definitely drinking some brown liquor in that scene. Well, and you know, and I mean that that's like one of the oldest uses of alcohol was you just you you grow so much grain and it's going to go bad, mm-hmm. so you turn it into alcohol and you get sugar in the winter. You know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so. Uh, so, uh, my question, Tom had not seen this before. Correct. But you have seen this before. Yes. Yes, I have. Uh, Would you like to tell us a little bit more about I that? I think, I mean, I, I don't think I've seen it in how old am I? So probably like 20 something years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my mom was a fan of it. I think she was actually a fan of the books when she was mm-hmm. younger. Mm-hmm. But definitely of this, um, 1985 CBC three and a half hour series yeah. she was a fan of. And we watched it a few times when I was a kid. Yeah. For me, it was just, like a very constant thing because Anne of Green Gables is something for a certain segment of bookish girls and women who like me. Oh we're yeah, not, we're not allowed to watch anything else. And because uh, like, I mean th- that that series was pretty popular in like the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, and it definitely it reminded me of a lot of people of a lot of girls, especially that I knew in elementary school and middle school, and I'm like wonder if like. That was kind of their like spirit guide. If that was like the yeah, person, yeah, in a lot of ways. Although watching it now as an adult, I'm like, Anne is so annoying. <laughs> like, well, like, like for the first like 45 minutes of this movie, I just wanted to shake her. She's the person that like you kind of simultaneously like you sort of like are inspired to be her, but at the same time you realize if you had to be around her, you constantly would want to kill her. Yeah, yeah. But and I mean, I, I think a lot of people's favorite characters, especially for like high school things, like. 
like uh like Max from Rushmore. Yeah. We all want to yeah. be Max, but we also all want to punch Max in the face <laughs> and be like, "What the hell, dude? Just calm down." This explains right? why I get punched in the face yeah. so yeah. frequently. I can only say I'm sorry so many times, all right? <laughs> it's okay. No, no, no. I wasn't fishing for an apology. <laughs> did, she did can you take see it. what I did there? Yeah. Fishing. Yeah. Uh at any rate, yeah, so I remember my most vivid memory of this miniseries actually was an entire weekend spent with my homeschooled best friend. Uh, her family were so Christian that we once had to stop watching a Babysitter's Club video yeah. halfway through because they were having a seance. And that's the same as talking to the devil. Uh, so we had to stop watching that. But Anne of Green Gables, we literally watched just the whole weekend. I kind of want to say that we like watched it twice. Not just this one, but also the sequel. Which yeah. I actually like the sequel a bit better. Hmm. Um, I, I remember watching the sequel, and then I think... Well, we were talking about how we were talking about how long this was uh, off mic, and I think I think by the time the sequel the sequel's Anne of Avonlea, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they got to, they got together and they realized like, hey, instead of just doing one three and a half hour thing, let's break this up into forty five minute chunks and yeah. put it out as like episodes. Well, and the second one is three books rolled into one. It's yeah. Anne of Avonlea, Anne of the Island, and Anne of Windy Poplars, and they deviate a lot more from the book, which is good because like. This first one is almost devoid of conflict. That was Tom's main like point about it was that it was anticlimactic like the whole way through. Right. Which I don't I don't even feel that. Like for me it's just hitting these familiar beats. Yeah. Right. Because I've seen it well, so many times. And I think part of that too is I can definitely see this as reading this as a child and the you know, like her fear of getting sent off to be with the Bluets and all that sort of thing. Like I can see that, you know, feeling much more you know, sort of urgent if I was a child, then it felt well, to me watching it Well, and it's also the politics of friendship and being at the mercy of adults, and that all just seems a lot more urgent right. when you're a kid, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's, it's also, I think it was like young adult fiction before young adult fiction was a thing. For sure. Mm. So just a lot of the stuff that just seems like total trope now at the time was like, if you read that as a kid, you're like, oh my God. This well, totally gets me. And it's been yeah. so long since I actually read the book, and I should have, again, looked into Lucy Maud Montgomery before we recorded this, but I assume somebody will do it for me. Um, <laughs> Get to work, yeah. cousins. Cousins. <laughs> Quick, to Wikipedia. But, I mean, she's got some very, like, feminist ideas embedded in this thing. I yeah. Mean, just by virtue of the fact that Gilbert Blythe, I think he has, like, five lines of dialogue in this whole thing. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it just never matters. Yeah, Gilbert and, like, and then, like, Marilla. We were talking about Marilla. What's Marilla's brother? I don't remember Marilla's Matthew. brother. Matthew. Yeah. 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 Matthew comes and saves the day twice. And that's all he does. Is yeah. He stops He he stops her from sending her off and uh, he, he buys a dress. He also makes me cry, like, all the time. Which is a valuable service. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He seems kind of uh, simple. I yeah, don't know. he's uh, it seems a bit off. He's, he's a quiet, shy so does guy. Diana. Yeah, that's well. True. It's also I kind of feel I was thinking that like uh, Diana would kind of be like the same character if Anne was like a man. And no, was the I think it's true. Yeah, where it's like Diana's the one who doesn't really say anything other than you're great and nods along and just goes over whatever with the well, plan. And which is. is also what Gilbert Blythe does essentially. Yeah. Like he yeah. has no uh, will of his own. Yeah, like. Everything he does in this movie, while he's dating well, other women, he, he it does is for Anne Shirley. He does early on. Well, I mean, early on, I don't know if it's Will, but he's like picking on her and that yeah. that, that schoolboy way of yeah. throwing things at her. Yeah, but then after that, it's just it's always him. Like, oh, you know, here's your grades. 
here's this school I bought for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, typical, uh, typical boyfriend stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my last boyfriend bought me a school. It was so awkward. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> did you have to take it back? Yeah. Did he say the receipt? Yeah, I, okay. think, I hope so. I well, I mean, we broke up. So oh, okay. Care. So it's, it's on his him. thing. All yeah, right. Well, I hope him. he at least got like a store yeah. credit. <laughs> you know, just stuck with the school. I'm gonna go teach kids now. I guess I don't know what I'm gonna do. That's also the plot uh, of Little Women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did kind of uh, one one of the reasons I was also because I, I saw your list and like um, I haven't really gotten into Downton Abbey, which is probably the worst thing to say to your listening audience. <laughs> Um, but I was, I was like, I was kind of curious to do something when I saw that, like I, I, what I, what I do like about Anne of Green Gables, um, compared to like other Edwardian or Victorian literature is it's, it's not stuffy. Mm-hmm. It's not about, it's not like about a romance that can't happen because they have duties to their family mm-hmm. or something like that. Or, or like someone enormous would get sums hurt. of money that people yeah. are dealing with. It's like we have too much money. Our lives are bird. Like it's one of the, like people overuse the term "white people problems," but most of the problems in Victorian novels are like the whitest people, yeah. white yeah. people problems. Yeah, and yet at the same time, it's you know a lot of concerns about clothing, about family, about. But they're very middle class. Well, right, and it is about class mobility, which you almost never see. Well, it's definitely. I mean, it's definitely like new world versus old. And I, world. I guess though, it it's more about like because um, I, I, in a lot of, in a lot of other, especially like Victorian literature, I feel like it's about having something to say, but you can't say it. It's about like that stiff upper lip mm-hmm. and not being able to say that you love somebody or something like that. Where Anne's problem is, she just talks way too much. <laughs> yeah, and like she has to figure, and kind of by the end, she figures out that she can. She talks so much that she gets good at talking and can convince people to be on her side yeah. instead of being annoying and desperate all the time. Yeah, and I mean, you do get a bit of that stiff upper lip stuff from Marilla, but it's not coming from that same place. It's not yeah. It's not coming from this place of like, oh, just be emotionally constipated because that's the way it's always been. Yeah, yeah, it's not Marilla like- is trying to teach her that as a defense mechanism mm-hmm. and as a way of maturing. Yeah. And what I think is really actually remarkable about this, watching it all the way through, is that, you know... Anne's character does actually change demonstrably. Yeah. Even as like nothing has happened, uh, <laughs> except that she's like really smart and girl protagonists in books like this are always really smart. So that's not super yeah. groundbreaking. Yeah. But I mean, you just see her mature into a woman and you see the way that Marilla changes through the whole thing. Cause that's really who this is about is about Anne and Marilla. Yeah. And I'm sorry, they're, they're Kevin, I frequently get weepy on this podcast. So like, okay. if that happens, they, they're your emotions. Yeah, you don't have to apologize thanks. for them. Just own them. I just wanted to warn um, you more so than, no, apologize. I was just talking about how I don't like things where they pretend emotions aren't real. So yeah. you got to cry, cry. Okay. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird too. Cause Marilla starts out so severe. And then when they talk about her taking like the teaching exam, it's like, Oh, I think women should have jobs. And it's yeah. like, that kind of passes by us, but it's like, oh, if this is 1908 and you're talking about how a woman should have a career, like exactly. that's, right. that's nuts. Yeah. No, so we were thinking Lucy Maud Montgomery must have been the equivalent of what they called the new women, yeah, uh, who were suffragists and who wanted jobs and they would go have, you know, bachelor at apartments in the city together, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, and ditch their corsets and ride bicycles and just be crazy. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, it's the same sort of thing really as, uh, L. Frank Baum and his, his wife and his family were also very feminist and, and suffragist and everything like that. And like right at the same mm-hmm. time period. 
Well, they talk about like women's suffrage for like two seconds, right? And for Canadians, women's suffrage. I don't. Well, and dismissively because it's Rachel Lind who wants women's suffrage. She yeah. is like a political conundrum. Because well, although I guess women's suffrage and temperance usually did go hand well, in it's, hand. It's Rachel Lind, and then Marilla's going with her. So you kind of think that Marilla wants it. Matthew is kind of dismissive of it. Yeah, right. and Anne is just sort of nods along and is like, "Look, I love you, so I'm just going to smile and yeah. say whatever you like." Because if it wasn't for you, I'd be like taking care of twins. Well, that and <laughs> yeah. Gilbert Blythe is progress. What do they call them? Grits. Was the name? It was the Matthew says he votes conservative, and then he says. Grits, I think, is the mm. I'm assuming the pejorative name right. for the other party. Right. But I'm not familiar with political alignments in <laughs> that part. Well, because that wasn't even that wasn't even. I'm not this sure is a very small part of the book. Yeah. It's 1908, I think, was and it's was, on an island. Yeah. Right. Uh, Prince's Island. Yeah. Yeah. Not Prince's Island. Let's go to Prince's Island after <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> Princess Island is actually a new series on the Disney Channel. Yes. <laughs> it's I, all the princesses. Actually, now that I'm describing it's this... It's Survivor, but with Disney Yeah, princesses. but that was actually basically the only game I ever played with my Barbies. There was, <laughs> I had one male Barbie, and I would always strand them all on an island together. And he was always dating Vanna White, who was my evil Barbie doll for some reason. My grandma bought me a Vanna White Barbie doll off the QVC. I don't know okay. why. She thought I would want And the that. name of this game was Polygamy, right? Um, No, because it was never polygamy. It was always my red-haired Barbie who was my favorite, possibly because of Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> and so all the other Barbies were like, oh, uh, the Aladdin doll definitely should not be dating Vanna White. He should be dating this red-headed one. Yeah. And uh, they were all babysitting just constantly. Just They were always babysitting. I, How? Thought, I thought we were talking about Prince's Island, the purple island in the middle of Lake Minnetonka. Yeah, that's that what I was thing? going for. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't I think was... it's real, but it's, it's something I like to imagine. <laughs> uh, it was. Can we talk about redheaded stereotypes since we were on redhead? Like, yeah. They yeah, hit all the redhead stereotypes about Anne and her. Also, I feel like maybe this is a post like Joan Mad Men thing of like how sort of fetished redheads is mm-hmm. uh, like right now. Mm. It's also, it's weird where like I actually have like a, uh, like, like women have told me how into redhead guys they are, which is something that like did not exist like 12 years Tom ago. Tom just physically recoiled. <laughs> yeah. I was startled. Uh, yeah, I feel like I did when I was younger, and then I grew up, mm. and then I didn't feel that way anymore. Um, no, I've had women also tell me that they they love a nice ginger. And yeah, but they they hit every like stereotype about like the redheads being devil's children. Yeah, and like redheads being emo- like the the stereotype is like redheads are like very aggressive, emotional people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like I've I've had many redheaded friends. I'm Irish, so I've had many redheaded friends. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it just it's. Some of them are very emotional. Also, some of the people who are like the most unable to access their feelings that I've ever met in my life have been redheaded people. Mm-hmm. They're just regular people. It's the same percentage of like I've met blondes and brunettes and whatever hair color you have of people who are like emotionally crazy and are emotionally stable. So you're saying that redheads are just like you and me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying wow. that. I know. It's controversial. Bold words. <laughs> yeah. Starting a new movement. Oh, we, uh, we're no stranger to controversy on this movement podcast. for hair equality. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we should probably like recap this thing. Okay. Which I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. Well, I tried to kind of 
you know, because I took my whole recap like usual, and it's, you know, super long because it's really long. So I tried to just break it up into sort of like more or less chapters, which some of them broke up cleanly and some of them didn't. But I'll just like run through each one real quick and we can chat about it. That sounds good. Yeah, this is definitely challenging in that it is so long. But also I feel like it's much longer to watch because Anne talks so much. Yeah, so much. I think we'll, we'll blaze through this since we're not... Because uh, not in, a lot really happens. No, like nothing yeah. happens. The most exciting thing that happens is that Diana gets drunk by accident. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I would have loved that as a kid. I always loved kids getting drunk when I was a kid. <laughs> were, uh, you, uh, were you getting drunk frequently? No. Oh. Never happened. I remember when, when we go traveling... Uh, Sounds weird. When we go traveling, no, but we were on like vacation when I was a kid. I remember we'd always go like the Motel Six, and you get like, you know, it's like two beds in the room, and like my yep. my mom, my dad in her bed, and then me and my brother are in a bed, and then like I would always go for the inside bed, uh, like next to the nightstand, and my dad always had like a glass of whiskey, and I always had a glass of water. And I think like two thirds of the time, I just like wake up in the middle of the night, want water, and just drink a glass of like ice and whiskey. As <laughs> oh a kid. my god. And, like, I never remember getting, like, I remember just tasting horrible, but I never remember, because, like, I would just go straight back to bed, so I would just probably feel like shit in the morning and didn't realize it was from yeah. that, but it's, yeah. I must have done that, like, like oh, the water in times. this state is terrible. <laughs> well, it, I, like, I knew it was whiskey, because I knew, like, what, that my dad drank whiskey, so, like, it was, I knew it wasn't water, but yeah. that's my kid being drunk, boring story. Well, how do you think your dad felt? I, I wonder if he woke up and just thought like, oh, I thought there was still more left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's I have what no I would have done. Yeah. No, the closest this was all in the dark of night. Like this was. <laughs> yeah. I once drank a glass of what I thought was non-alcoholic cranberry wine when I was 16. And then my aunt took me to see anywhere but here. And that was weird. Because <laughs> they were like, oh, no, that's non-alcoholic. And I'm like, was this a whole let's get Kelly drunk and then make fun of her mom thing? Yeah, I just got totally stoned on Triaminic when I was like nine. And laid on the floor and looked at the ceiling. That's about it. I had some friends, and I worked at like a summer camp when I we was 14. And uh, Safeway would like donate food that wasn't like fit to sell. Not like it was like rotten or spoiled, yeah. just like the box of Frosted Flakes was ripped or something. Mm. And we actually we found like this, this like case of sparkling grape juice that was starting to go bad. And we were we were at this camp for like nine weeks, and one the one guy found this. And he's like, "I'm gonna stick this under my bed. It's gonna ferment in nine weeks, and we're gonna drink it and get drunk." And everyone's like, "That's horrifyingly disgusting." <laughs> and nine weeks later, he pulled them out, and they, it had gone from like a from like a purple to like a blood red. <laughs> oh my god! And he was like trying to get everyone to drink it, but it just like smelled like garbage, and it was also just hypercarbonated. So they'd open it, and it would just kind of like. It was this very, like, Nickelodeon Double Dare thing where they would just be sprayed <laughs> with this, like, bloody foam. Oh, God. And, uh, that, yeah, that, that's... Was, I was thinking that. No raspberry cordial. But, uh, <laughs> have you ever had a cordial? All right, let's get this recap. <laughs> All right. We'll get to the cordial. Uh, yeah, but it- Wait, before we start, <laughs> on the DVD that we have... Uh, which Tom forgot that he bought me for Christmas that's, one year. That's true. Because uh, he's like, I don't know where to download this. And I'm like, we own it. Oh, it's on Pirate Bay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wasn't too concerned. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, but so beforehand, they've got the suite of previews for Kevin Sullivan's entire demented Anne of Green Gables like <laughs> empire. He has created an Anne of Green Gables cartoon that features a talking squirrel 
and apparently a witch of some kind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's weird. It's as down to earth and non magical as the real story is. This thing is ridiculous. There's like a witcher and her two henchmen like coming after Anne. I, on the reason. Wikipedia page, I saw pictures for the Anne of Green Gables anime. Right? Wasn't that terrifying? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I also like kind of imagine if you're in Japan, the most exotic thing in the world is a redheaded Canadian. <laughs> they love it. They have had so many like stage adaptations in Japan, again, according to Wikipedia. Oh, they actually, love it. I saw a stage adaptation of Anne of Green Gables, uh, probably, I think when I was in fourth or fifth grade. And it was, um, the first thing that I, that I can remember ever seeing where it was like, um, it was like colorblind casting. Mm-hmm. And they had a black Diane, which at the time I was like, thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. they would have like, we're just going to do that. We're going to have black Diane. Yeah. That one's great. I saw a stage production that was terrible in Columbus, Ohio. And all I remember was the big showpiece is in the store when Matthew buys that dress. And the whole number is called a dress with puffy sleeves. And it's, it was terrible. Like the chorus is like, a dress with puffy sleeves. I saw, I think I saw the non-musical version. Yeah. This was, I think this was a new adaptation of it. I don't know that it was the premiere, but it was definitely new. I think non-musical adaptation is pretty much always the way to go. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's like crazy, like, I mean, like Little Shop, well, this is a huge tangent, but like Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> is a musical adaptation of a, like a bad horror movie. That's true. You know, like occasionally there's stuff that strikes gold, but for something that's like pre-existing has a fan base. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with a non-musical adaptation. Nine times out of 10, like they don't need more songs. <laughs> right. I mean, I might disagree with you, but we don't got all night. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, so yeah, starts off uh, in reasonably horrifying fashion with uh, Anne getting into a book that she's reading out loud while carrying a bucket, like you do, and then she gets yelled at, and she's in this horrible place with a baby crying. Just in case you ever thought foster care wasn't horrible, right? Uh, it was well, ever thus. I thought like her reading a book is kind of cool. So like, like when I talk about like not liking victorian literature like it starts off with her going into like king arthur and just into the romantics and romanticism it actually and like that's the world that is in her head you know yeah it actually has essentially the same opening as uh labyrinth oh yeah that's a good point no (laughs) um so uh the mean old lady burns her book which that's not cool pretty nazi yeah yeah uh, then down at the sawmill, some old guy is yelling about the gall darn planks. So you can tell he's upset. Yeah, and you know, not a nice person, right? Because that's as close to swearing as anybody yeah. gets in this movie. And uh, his blasphemy is punished because he then immediately dies, uh, as the sawmill worker expertly diagnoses him. He's like, "He ain't gonna need no doctor." I'm like, "Maybe, maybe you should get a doctor to check." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you know, Jerry? <laughs> right. Imagine being so angry about planks that you die. (laughs) (laughs) That your heart cannot just manage the anger of your planks. (laughs) Yeah, well, Anne thinks it was her fault, and Anne thinks that it was the anger of a late lunch that uh, drove him over the edge. Well, which is definitely encouraged uh, by her horrible foster mother. Right, who's being comforted by an even more horrible lady. That foster mom is like horrible and kind of inspiring <laughs> she goes from like it's like did they say how many kids she has it seems like it's at least seven i, I think, think it was like nine yeah so, she had three so, twins. yeah like a, a ton so like the, the her 
her husband dies, lickety split. Like, we're getting rid of all these kids. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> and get your shit. You're out of here. Like, it's like, she's evil, but like, she's got it down. Like, I mean, look, she's, she's, yeah. uh, got a plan now. She's got a certain measure of independence. Like, I'm putting all these babies into somebody else's pocket. Some relatives <laughs> are going to take care of these babies, and I'm, I'm going to go drink in Vancouver. Well, yeah. And then she takes Anne to this orphanage and they're like, orphanage is full. And she's like, that's your problem now. Out. Yeah. Hammond out. She does a dine and dash at the orphanage. Yeah. I mean, she should like chug a beer and drop it just as she's leaving. And burp. Yeah. Oh, so You're man. orphan now. The whole orphan thing, like just like, I don't know what you say, like the trope or the meme of like orphans and youth fiction it's really weird because there's like two sides to it. Yeah. One is when you're a kid, you secretly want your parents to be dead. Yeah. You want to be solely like because your parents control you and you want to be free. You want to make your own decisions, which means your parents being dead and you being an orphan. And the other thing is your parents telling you stories about how horrible orphans have it so that like you'll appreciate and them also more. how horrible orphans are. That's the biggest thing in this is that people are like, oh, orphans will fucking kill you. Yeah. Just yeah. because yeah. they're orphans. And so Anne not only has to overcome this prejudice against her being a redhead, she's also got all these people thinking that because she's an orphan, she is like deficient in some way. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also this thing where it's like if you're an orphan, then like your sort of real parents will find you. Like not even biological, but whether it's like you know, Harry Potter's an orphan and he's, yeah. you know, the people that he should be with finds him or James and the Giant Peach or, you know, whatever else. Like, Oliver Twist. Like, orphan, you know, it always works out well for orphans yeah. in these well, stories. Well, for British orphans. I'm like yeah, trying to think of any American well, orphans that things work out for. Uh, Fievel? Oh, wait, no, his parents didn't die. I guess Dorothy was sort of an orphan. Yeah, she was no, an her orphan. Par- her parents are alive. Um, I mean... Like there's a you know more more updated but inspired by all of this is like the series unfortunate events. Yeah. They're they're oh, American yeah, orphans. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. I'm the, like the the British Victorian thing about orphans. It's so strange. Like I always I always think about like Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. Yeah. And just how weird it is because like how you know how would you become a Lost Boy? Is you would have a happy thought that would allow you to fly to Neverland. But there must have been, like, Victorian orphans that did not know what happiness was. Yeah. yeah. Like, they had no happy memories. and it's like, houses. And it's like, yeah. oh, you're too fucked up for Neverland. Like, yeah. you know, Sorry. too late. Sorry. You had to have a mom who loved you for at least a second to make it to Neverland. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think about, you know, this interview with some, like, workhouse girl that was like you know she didn't know what england was never heard of god didn't know whether it was good or bad you know like yeah. just the most basic knowledge in the world and she had none of it you just know that you work or you get punished right very so, uplifting fun conversation yeah. so this is where Anne is at yes <laughs> well and this is like it's pretty heavy like you know i had not seen any of this before but like this is a rough spot that that and, Anne and is the, in. the first foster mom like makes references to like you'll be out on your back yeah like real like born into brothels kind of stuff like yeah. yeah if it's not if you don't take care of my dumb twins that you hate that <laughs> i probably hate too you're gonna have to like you know smd for money that's yeah. what you're gonna do right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she spends like six months at this orphanage oh we also learned that her parents names were walter and Ber- were walter and bertha which he thinks are very nice names but she is not correct she has ptsd <laughs> yeah those are horrible names she doesn't have <laughs> yeah. a choice 
Like her name's nothing to write home about either, but yeah, you know, you take what you can get. She also thinks that red hair is bad and that she's bad looking. Yeah, right. Uh, and she's very cute. Yeah. Yeah, this movie has a real hard time with like they wrote all the physical descriptions into the script like verbatim from the book, and then they like adhered to none of them in the casting. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, they, she's they still supposed cast to be very... really ugly. Rachel Lind is supposed to be fat, and she's not fat. Yeah, well, she she says that she has green eyes, and her eyes are clearly brown. Yeah, like maybe she is the devil, guys. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest she also li- devil ever. Pulled she also was lies a us lot. He wasn't Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and talks to herself in the window. Yeah, which I found which is healthy. Also disturbing. The window friend is kind of frightening. Yeah. That sounds. If you put that into like a forty-five-year-old single white guy who lived with his parents, you'd just be like, "Oh, he's a serial killer. He's going to go in and kill his window friend, so his window friend will never change." Yeah, and they'll be window friends forever. Well, and it's like it's weird because I watched this so much when I was really young, and again watching it as an adult, I'm like, "Holy shit! Yeah. This is really fucking upsetting." Like that is just like that's the most disturbing scene in this movie. Yeah. Is her to me is her talking to herself in that mirror. And I'm just like, you are really messed up in the head. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't have a choice. I mean, she's been an orphan since she was three months old. Yeah. And has absolutely no bearings whatsoever. Yeah. I would say I would say it's the second most disturbing. I'll tell you the one when we get to it. Great. Um that's what this podcast is all about. So yeah, so Anne's been in this orphanage for six months, and the orphanage lady is like, "We're finally getting rid of you. Congratulations, um, <laughs> get on this train." But that at the time that was a kind of a congratulations. Oh yeah, thing, it was. It yeah. <laughs> but the the orphanage uh, director, or whatever, she seemed relieved by it. So you know, it's a win win, really. Well, Anne clearly after six months had not figured out when bedtime was. Right. Also, that nurse in there was very bad at her job. Like she had a whole von trap whistle. Yeah, and all the other girls like scamper after bed. I'm like, what are you there for if not to follow up on the whistle blowing? <laughs> right. Like, oh hey, there's this bitch still talking to herself in the mirror. Hey, listen, I blew my whistle. You want something else? Get a different union. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess just has like confidence or self esteem. Probably things that you won't find in a lot of other orphans. I just not a lot of it, but like more yeah. than. Maybe. I thought it was more that she just has, like, a very severe dissociative disorder. No. That's I mean, probably right, I mean, too. that's what... <laughs> I, I really did appreciate... Like, she seems, like, crazy and damaged. Yeah. Like, and that's where her vivacious quirkiness comes from. Yeah, she's a manic pixie nightmare girl. Yeah. Well, I was trying to think, like, who... Because I was thinking about who taught her to read, and they, it mentions her parents being teachers, so I assume that her parents taught her, but, but her parents died when yeah. she was three. So it's just, like... Like somebody taught her how to read, and that was just her escape hole into the nightmare world that she lived in and orphanages yeah. and and well, somebody you know some orphanage might have taught her that, yeah, they would right. have had some kind of perfunctory schooling. And some, pe- some I mean, cases, and she like, might have just, I mean, she seems like a very quick study. And some people's brains are just so tuned for that. Like, I have a couple friends who, like, you know, they told me they learned how to read when they were like two. And I did not believe them. I just thought, like, oh, you just don't remember your childhood. And then, like, <laughs> talking to their family members, they're like, yeah, that sounds about right. He yeah. learned really early. It was yeah, weird. Yeah. I mean, I and, learned really early just from, like, Sesame Street and yeah. uh, uh, was the electric company. I think I memorized Hop on Pop when I was three. So they were never, like, totally clear whether yeah. I had just memorized it by rote or whether I was actually reading but I did, like, I read very early. Yeah. Like, that was, that was my I think, yeah, strength. like, I think, in retrospect, like, I think four was, or, like, around when I learned to read, mm-hmm. like, uh, 
at least like one or two syllable words I could get out by then. Yeah. And like that's that's probably much earlier than a lot of people. But yeah. no, some remember, people just pick it up just like instantly though yeah. without tr- trying and with like well, little like being read to. Some kids are just, you know, yeah. math whizzes yeah. from yeah. a really, really early age. Yeah. And I mean, clearly, you know, one of the most clear facts about Anne is that she's very smart. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Quick that's, study. That's the most told and not shown in the whole thing. Well, like, but Mrs. Not that Hammond she seems says dumb. that. She says that she's very bright when she's mouthing off to the orphanage lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny to me to see her do so well in school all through the thing. Just because she doesn't seem like, like there's being smart and then there's actually like, you know, working hard and doing the work and everything. And well, but she focused. reads all the time. She reads all the time. She does get in trouble later for reading a novel during geometry, which is verbatim a thing that I used to do. <laughs> but, um. Oh yeah. Yeah. I used to do that. Oh God. I hated that. I didn't math. get caught that often, but I would do Oh stuff yeah. Like I didn't that. get caught that much either. But like, I think, you know, once she gets in at Green Gables, her desire to please others kicks in. Well, yeah. And I think true. that has a lot to do with her scholastic achievement. And she knows that that's part of like getting to stay there. Yeah. And I mean, we mainly just don't see it because there's no hijinks involved in doing well at school. <laughs> like that's not, that's yeah. not a fun book. To more's, yeah. I mean, more's the her, pity. <laughs> her doing well in school is kind of like the background of the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Anne shows up at this train station uh, and declines to wait in the ladies waiting room. And the, uh, the, <laughs> I love the guy at the train station, the station master, or whatever. He's just the happiest son of a bitch you ever saw. <laughs> like, he's only got two lines or whatever, but he just laughs and laughs. I always thought, though, his subtext to her is like, I sure hope someone diagnoses your mental illness soon. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. I was kind of upset she declined because I wanted to see what the ladies' waiting room was. I have a very specific picture in my brain, and it's like a lot of, like, they look almost like pews. Very shiny, varnished wood. Uh, maybe a looking glass, a pitcher with water. A lot of this is lifted out of this hotel waiting room that Laura Ingalls stayed in in uh, <laughs> DeSmet, South Dakota. But Fair enough. It's just what I think, just to help you get a mental yeah. picture of what might be involved. <laughs> Here's Skelly's fevered imaginings of what that might have been. Listen, I'm way more like Anne of Green Gables than I'd care to admit. <laughs> Matthew's heading in in the buggy. Very much flustering Thomas and Rachel Lind. Uh, well, Rachel. Yeah, because Rachel knows he never goes to town this time of year. <laughs> right. Wearing a suit. Yeah. Yeah. No because less. it's not Sunday. They're not going to church. Oh, hell no. Yeah. They talk about church a lot in this, and they never go to church that I can remember. That's a good point. I think, no. no the funeral? There's the funeral. They hang out with the okay. minister a lot. Yeah. The, mini- the minister's wife more, I yeah. feel. Yeah, I think you're right. She's also the chillest minister wife in any fictitious no, I mean, honestly, portrayal. These of- people are all really religious, but they're all extremely laid back about it, which mm-hmm. I really appreciated because I was like, "Oh, this is like how people are." They're like, "No, we're just going to say these yeah. things about God and try not to fuck shit up." Right? Yeah. Well, especially at a time when it's just you know everybody that anybody knows is Christian, and that's it, and yeah. nobody considers being anything else. So there's no need to be worked up about it. I also want to point out that the real star of this movie is Thomas's mutton chops. <laughs> Those are some dope mutton chops. Thomas has rocked some great facial hair. Yeah. yeah. I was expecting to see him more, really. No, because Rachel's like, what's he doing? And Thomas is like, I have no idea. Why are you asking me? These mutton chops take six hours a day. I don't <laughs> have time. I so, go yeah. milk the cows, and then I work on the chops. <laughs> and I'm all out of bear grease. Matthew, if you're going to town, give me some bear grease. I need a barrel of blubber for my mustache. 
That'll be three cents. <laughs> Inflation. <laughs> so Rachel heads over and talks to Marilla, uh, which was a name that I had trouble figuring out how to spell. Yeah, he Kelly's. was like, was it Marella? Yeah. Maria? I was like, no, Tom, it's Marilla. And if you ever read my Anne of Green Gables cookbook, you would know that. <laughs> that is true. That would have helped me out. Did you make some raspberry cordial? You know what I never did, although the recipe is in there. I did make raspberry tarts and a really delightful lemonade. All right. You had that lemonade. I did. Yeah. I good. made it when we were courting. <laughs> I was trying to figure out like how far away everybody's houses were from each other. Yeah. There I don't are... I don't know, like cuz I just like grew up in like a rural neighborhood, so I was intrigued by that idea of like how long there are walking versus how far and like farming communities. It seems like you know, it's a decent hike yeah. from place to place. Yeah. Because I think, you know, Rachel's probably their closest neighbor. And then the berries yeah. are kind of across a couple fields, but they're close enough that Diana can get in there and do semaphore. So, yeah. yeah. Well, because several times they'll show, I guess, particularly with the school, if they'll show her walking to or from, they would cut like, they would have like three cuts of her yeah. field day. So you figure about they're a little more than a mile from the school. Yeah. That seems about right. Yeah. Uh, please write in to Kelly with <laughs> your uh, with your home drawn maps of, of Avonlea uh, to scale, please, yeah. and uh, in centimeters. Yes, this is Canada. That's right. And uh, also, everything is also in French too. <laughs> yeah, please let's be respectful. So Rachel's pissed at Marilla for uh, hi- getting an, hiring an orphan boy without consulting her. And tells her that the boy is going to like burn down her place and poison her well and everything like that. Yeah, you know how boys are. You guys probably just finished poisoning wells this afternoon. What do you think happened to Rachel where she's just angry and untrusting of everybody? <laughs> I don't think anything too terrible. Everybody in this doesn't seem like... I don't know. She was born in 1850, 1860. Yeah, that's true. In yeah. Canada, well, in the frontiers of Canada. What war was going on? It's too late for... No, was that French yeah. and Indian? Uh, uh, no, that's no, the no. 1770s. Oh, yeah, you're the 1700s. So there's that like little tiny battle between the U.S. and and Britain and Canada over the Oregon frontier, but that's probably yeah, about it. That's on the west I coast. Yeah, it's Prince. I thought Prince. Where was Prince Edward? Uh, Prince Edward. Oh, it was on the yeah, east coast. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was uh, briefly raided during the Revolutionary War. They had a couple like hired pirates go up and like. Wreck it up. Is that where the money pit is? Um, what? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try to do this as quickly as possible. <laughs> Off of Nova Scotia, there's a tiny island where people in the 1800s just found this weird, like, uh, formation in the ground and decided that there was pirate treasure buried under there. And people have spent millions of dollars and about 150 years looking for treasure at this one spot. Just because these people were like, oh, maybe there's treasure here. Just because maybe there's people, there's treasure here. And it's like, there's definitely something weird there where like, basically if you dig for more than like 20 feet, everything floods and like people have found like pipes and they can't tell if they're like natural or if people put them in there. And so people have all these theories about if it's like Captain Kidd's treasure or if it's like a Knights Templar treasure or if it's some Freemate. Like people have gotten so crazy where like there are these theories that they're actually um, they're the original manuscripts of Shakespeare that really proves that um, Francis Bacon that wrote Francis them. Bacon wrote them. Yeah. So oh it's my just God. it's just wow. one of those things where it's just like whatever. Is the Illuminati part of this? 
It can be because <laughs> it's like whatever conspiracy theory. No, it's like theory. choose choose your conspiracy. Yeah, no. So it's just sort of like a mirror. So like whatever conspiracy theory is already in your head, you're going to oh be like, God. oh, that's that. Like deep under this island but, um, in the early 1800s, they filmed the moon landing. They didn't know yeah. when they'd need it. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, it just <laughs> they're like maybe. happened. Yeah, they <laughs> wow. They divined the birth of George W. Bush and uh, fixed the fixed the election so that he would win. Yeah, uh, from that pit. <laughs> Okay, so now now that I know, okay, yeah, that's right. Nova Nova Scotia's on the east side. Is right. so sometime in the sequel she'd go to Vancouver. That's not important. Let's get no, through this three-hour show. Somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. So uh, it's a girl. It's not a boy, and they're all like, "Wow." Um, like oh, we got to change these blue well, cigars to pink. Over the part because oh, all right, listen, I'm taking it that you guys don't like Matthew as much as me, which is fine. I'm not saying I don't like, but like Matthew. so Matthew gets. There. I love Matthew. He's Great. the only male figure. This is the only thing that I think I've, I, I can think of that doesn't pass, like, whatever the male equivalent of the Bechdel test would be. <laughs> the Brogdel test? Bechdel test? test. <laughs> yeah. Bechdick. Yeah. <laughs> I like Bechdick test. The Bechdick test, No, but, like, yeah. he gets her at the train station. He just doesn't have the heart to, like, tell her, oh, P.S., you're not what I came for. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it would take... A real Rachel Lind to have the heart to tell. Yeah, Green, yeah, Green, Green Gables is a good Christian place. They're not like, oh, you're just gonna. Because if he just left, like she would just live at that train station. It's not <laughs> like she could get waiting room. <laughs> it's not like she could get a ticket back to the orphanage. Yeah, that's true. Right. Well, I was. I don't know. I was gonna be like, is it like Zappos? Does she come with a return slip or like <laughs> three hundred sixty-five yeah. days? <laughs> so yeah, so we get a big old chunk of Anne uh, with her charming, insane rambling. And she has to be called Cordelia. So she's in the depths of despair. And uh, Marilla is unimpressed by her claims about despair. Man, Marilla is just generally unimpressed. Because Marilla's never despaired because the despair is to turn your back yeah. on God. Right. That had quite the impression on me as a child. I was like, whoa! I've yep. been using that word all wrong. <laughs> but uh, I was so team Marilla on this, this go round. I was like, oh, whip her into shape for God's sake. Make her <laughs> yeah, shut yeah. up. But I don't know. I just I thought also Marilla was so practical, and you don't see it that way as a child. You're like, yeah. why are you making? You're no fun, Marilla. I'm like, man, Marilla's teaching you some wisdoms, Anne. Like, you should perk up and listen. What a to this boring lady. movie that would be if they just call her Cordelia and just let her do whatever she wants. That'd be like yeah. the weird kid you knew in elementary school who was like an only child who just ran around their house doing whatever they want. Yeah. Would just be like in like shorts or their underwear or something like that. And it's like, no, there's society outside with it. You don't have to conform 100%, but you have to conform enough so that, like, you can communicate your thoughts to other people and you're not Nell just shouting at the woods, you know? Yeah, I actually had a friend who had a sister like that. She mostly turned out fine. Yeah. But, I mean, she just, every time we would go over there, she was just in her underwear and made, like, no sense when she would talk. So, at least Anne wears clothes. <laughs> we can give her that. Yeah, Anne wears clothes. Yeah. Well, and then we see, uh, you know, in case we're thinking Marilla's too rough, uh, we see it turns out that Mrs. Blewett is looking for a girl uh, because she has twins, and she shows up and is, like, awful. She makes Miss Gulch in The Wizard of Oz seem like your grandma. Yeah. She's she's uh, very horrifying. And that was the part where I was like, oh, my God, if I was a kid, I would be flipping out at the thought of having to go, you know, live and work for Miss Blewett. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marilla is like, oh, you are not getting your hands on Anne, you horrible woman. 
And but you know she's smart enough to keep blew it around as like a cudgel to threaten Anne with when necessary. So yeah, they talk about prayer. Anne doesn't want to pray because God gave her red hair and she hates him for it. <laughs> she is like so like I was you know I mean and I know now obviously that's like the thing the running thing in the book. But I was like, good lord, Anne, calm down about your red hair. It's fine. She literally can't. Yeah. I mean, it is not it's- okay that she has red hair. Yeah, like, you know. I don't remember when I, when I was a kid, like, I wanted, I, I've always had really curly hair. And when I was a kid, I wanted straight hair. Because I think that's just like what everybody else yeah, had. Yeah, well, and I always had really straight hair and I wanted really curly hair. Yeah. yeah. I used wash and curl once. Shocked my whole class. <laughs> they thought I got a perm. And I was like, don't be stupid. No. I Use don't, accelerator. I don't want to And smell. you were like, I'll never tell. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was in the Wash and Curl commercial. <laughs> it may have been. Oh. I think like, yeah, when I was like 14 and I was I was mostly over it, but it was still around there a little bit. Like I, I straight, a friend straightened my hair mm. and like we did it. It took like three hours to straighten my hair and it lasted for maybe four hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Like I know a lot of women with curly hair who spend all this time straightening it. I My roommate in college would do that. And then finally I think. Like our senior year, she like went natural yeah. and like went curly. But I'm always just like my mind is. I am not a doing things to my appearance person. Like I, I will do it if I'm yeah. getting my picture taken or something. But like in general, I'm like I will blow dry my hair, and that is the very bare minimum. Yeah, I used a flat iron for like five minutes, and then I was like, this is far too much work. Okay, so she hates her red hair. Doesn't want to pray to God. Right. Marilla's like, you're going to pray to God. They are Christian. They are, you know, they're not the worst Christian people that, that that are encountered in it, but they're, they're very, everybody's very Christian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I feel like people are so loose, loose about being Christian. Like everybody who was just raised Christian now, you just Mm -hmm. like, oh, I was raised Christian. I'm, you know, like, I was raised Catholic, whatever. But in like this thing, it's like, oh, if you stop, like if you stop going to church, you're a heathen. Like, if oh, you yeah. don't go every Sunday... And you will not be received in polite society. Yeah, and- you can't do this like, oh, I used to do that, you know, and yeah. get away with it the way that we have been doing for a while now. Yeah, like, you know, since, uh, since, since like, World the War 40s, II. Yeah. yeah. Ever since existentialism kicked in, <laughs> yeah. it really did affect every other philosophy in Western culture. I think we were all like, oh, yeah. That uh, Jean-Paul Sartre's got some interesting points. Well, it's like mechanized industry, and you yeah. don't have to rely on all of your neighbors constantly. Yeah. That's true. Thank goodness. We don't yeah. like our neighbors. Yeah. And neither does Anne. Uh, Rachel stops by and starts talking shit about Anne to her face. And Anne just, like, flips out and says that she's fat and ugly and uh, runs off crying. Uh, I do want to say, though, they got really great period-appropriate corsets in this thing because if you look at Rachel Lynn from behind, you can see her back fat, like, spilling over the top. Yeah. Which was a detail that as someone who's had to wear a corset in a play before, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what happens because corsets are fucked up. They are. It's like fat doesn't go away. It just goes elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. We've been to Renaissance fairs. We've seen the trick. (laughs) (laughs) So Marilla tells Anne that she has to apologize, and Anne says that she'll never apologize in her whole entire life. 
Uh, Much like Ace of Base, she's never going to say she's sorry. This is so, like, Anne being just dramatic and, like, the original emo kid. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just like, okay, you have to choose between apologizing or going back to the orphanage. <laughs> right. Oh, no. And she's like, you can, like, lock me in a dungeon with snakes and toads and feed me on bread and water and I won't complain. I'm like, yeah, the orphanage. Yeah. So you're, you're literally saying you'd like to go back. To the orphanage. But Matthew goes up to her bedroom where he says he hasn't been upstairs in four years. So We right. never see him in the house. So that that could be totally true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, there's no reason to lie there. This is one of Matthew's three and a half scenes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he convinces her to apologize with his simple good nature. Uh, we also see him in the kitchen in the next scene reading the old farmer's almanac, <gasps> which we... I always get excited about an old farmer's almanac scene. Especially when it's an old farmer reading it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's spelled with a K. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just as Ben Franklin would have wanted. I would think. It was like the devil's almanac when like, they spell like dark magic yeah, with a K instead exactly. of a C. <laughs> and like a bunch of extra E's for no yeah. reason. The sunnith will rise if on six forty three. So Anne and Marilla head over. Marilla's all dressed up in her nice visiting clothes, uh, and Anne apologizes. Though notably, does not like take back what she said. She just says that she's sorry that she said it. It's a pretty shitty apology. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, but she sells the hell out of it. Yeah, she gets down on her knees and is all dramatic and stuff. I mean, she, like, out Rachel Lind's Rachel Lind, which is an accomplishment, really. Yeah. yeah. Like, nobody in this town had yet figured out how to do it. And she's there for, like, less than 24 hours, and she's got it nailed. Yeah. Yeah, Rachel's so impressed that she tells her that she knew a redhead that grew up to become Auburn. So, there's hope. Oh, my God. And uh, invites her to the I like that was her way of consoling her. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just, like... Look, there's nothing wrong with being red. <laughs> well, there's really something I, wrong with being a I, redhead. I, mean, I guess it's like the early 1900s, so it's like anything that's different than us is to be feared and hated. Yeah. So, like... Right. Maybe you'll become like us. Maybe you'll be like everybody else someday. <laughs> maybe you will go to heaven. That is what happens to her. Yeah. Everybody does lie to her, though, about her hair changing color. Yeah, it never does. No, it never does. So they head back. They, Anne talks about all the various child abuse she's suffered and how she copes with it, uh, you know, mainly by imagining, which Marilla's like, uh, imagining's no good. I don't hold with it. Yeah. Uh, but then we see Marilla making Anne a dress, and her amethyst brooch is missing, and Anne was the last one to touch it, so she's pissed. And Anne's grounded, you know, and is going to be sent back, presumably. Well, and the big deal here is that Anne was going to be permitted to go to the uh, children's picnic. Yes. Sponsored by the church and finally meet some children who are her own age who aren't also uh, wards of the state and damaged yeah. beyond repair. Yeah. And so, uh, also have to have a have a non serial killer esque friendship yeah. outside of a window. Yeah. And yeah, and also have ice cream for the first time. Yeah, which man. That's like a weird, sad moment. And I guess right. the ice cream probably was a real novelty. Yeah, it at the was. Time. I mean it took a yeah. long time. You had to have ice. Yeah. To right. make you gotta have actual ice, but also just the thought of never having had it. And she's like twelve or thirteen at this point. Yeah, and you're like, damn, get some ice cream. Well, she she will, I assure you, because yeah, Anne like comes up with some confession that she hopes will allow her to stay. But Marilla's like, nope, you're going to the Bluets. <laughs> 
Sorry, I just wrote Every time they talked about the Bluets, I would think, I just blew myself. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then Marilla goes downstairs, and oh, the brooch was in her scarf all the time. Um, that was a, a fairly predictable set of circumstances. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, you kind of see that, especially because when she does confess, and it's this whole dramatic, definitely not real thing. Yeah. Because it sounds like it's from a bad book. Mm-hmm. And like Marilla's like, oh, okay, that's not real. And she's like, yeah, but you just said to confess. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't say that I had to. She is very literal-minded. I yes. mean, her whole life has trained her up to this point. Yes. So like, okay, what's the bare minimum I can get away with here? So she gets to go to the picnic. Marilla tells her to be normal. Uh, so we'll see and how she's that like, ah, I'm crazy. <laughs> and she meets Diana and uh, sees that a sack, ra- a sack race is going on and proposes that the two of them enter the upcoming three-legged race, even though they're girls, and they win. And a boy Those that is- boys should be ashamed of themselves. Oh, they are. Well, not I mean- one of them. Because one of them winks at her. Well, that's before they lose. No, that's after. No, he's. Oh, fall- doesn't he wink at them twice? Well, he winks. I know the first time that I that's noticed just it blinking. was him uh, after having fallen down in the three-legged <laughs> race. You should call him Gilbert Blink. <laughs> no, he's mad at Moody Sturgeon for fucking up the race. Well, sure. Moody, also a redhead. Just pointing yep. this out. Devil children. Yep. Uh, but with mixed skills at the three-legged race, it would seem. Well, it breaks down on gender. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. Uh, so they go rowing about, as apparently all the kids are doing, and they talk about Gilbert, uh, the winking boy. And <laughs> <laughs> Is that like the whipping boy? <laughs> yes, that blithe boy will not quit winking. <laughs> He's got Bell's palsy. <laughs> I heard they're sending him to a special clinic in Charlottesville. And uh, their creepy teacher and their other girls. And then some girl falls on the lake. So that's hilarious. It's Josie Pye, your favorite. Well, I didn't know who she was yet. Well, I'm telling you. Well, okay. Josie Pye is great. She's like the Regina George of this book. She is. Well, and also, she's... I enjoyed her... Is like, she the one that the creepy teacher is obviously... No, no. that's Chrissy Andrews. Chris, okay. Yeah. yeah. She's the one that is basically dating Gilbert for most of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, but she... I liked her... Like, her... I mean, I liked uh, the performances of Anne and Marilla, and I could basically take or leave all the other performances in the movie. The only other two that I kind of liked were Josie and uh, the shop girl. Oh, what about old uh, Aunt Jo? Uh, she was all right. That was fine. Do you know my favorite, my favorite like minor character to show up in the whole thing is um, when uh, when Gilbert throws stuff at them when they're walking home mm-hmm. and they run through like the cow field yeah. and the German farmer shows yeah. up. Yeah. That's my favorite thing because he's the German farmer and he can't, he's a, he's a horrible German accent and he keeps yelling about discipline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you must discipline these children. I mean, it's uh, a big uh, stereotyping you need movie. To, if he just had like a horse whip in his hand yeah, or something and like yeah. a monocle and yeah. like, Discipline. Tall we need more. It was dis- possibly played by Christoph Waltz. <laughs> yeah, Christoph Waltz, or like uh, just whatever the 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 lady from um, the lady villain from the Austin Powers movie. Oh, Frau Farbissima. Oh, yeah. Gilbert. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, in class, the teacher is working with his favorite student, and it is very disturbing. You're right. This is the creepiest part of this. I'm yeah. assuming this is the second most disturbing thing. Actually, it is. No? I forget what I was thinking of now because this is the most disturbing. Well, pederasty. Yeah. You know, no, 
no turn of the century young adult book would be complete without at least a little pederasty. Well, and it's like they could have left it as maybe just a possible suggestion of pederasty, but then they cast this guy as the teacher. Yeah. He's a little weird looking. I mean, you, you know, it's one of those things where like... 14 was like 1900s 18 so don't like you can't think of it as like a high school student uh, like a high school teacher hooking up with a freshman it's more of like it's more of like a college professor hooking yeah. up with a freshman I mean, it's where still, you're like dude i get it but come on be better than that it is but I mean, he does get dismissed over it yeah at the okay. end so yeah. it was viewed as not appropriate he also just like he looks like Don Knotts is the incredible Mr. Limpid, but like without the sex appeal somehow. <laughs> I like, actually thought he looked like he didn't act like, but I would have seen him as like a Nazi in like an Indiana Jones movie. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, he kind of looks like Wallace Shawn. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. He looks like a lot of people, <laughs> none yeah. of whom are attractive. And he didn't yeah. do that much apart from perv on this girl. Kind of a bad teacher. Didn't really. Uh... Yeah, well, no, because all he did was work with her and like the rest of the kids were just like. Hanging out, yeah. And, yeah, sticking frogs. It was like in when Corey face. Matthews tried to teach that class on Boy Meets World. <laughs> it's kind of like all Boy Meets World. We only know three people who are in the entire class. Yeah, that's it's true. true. Yeah, the beginning. There's like that fourth kid who's nerdy that everybody makes fun of, and yeah, it's uh, like, yeah. yeah. So he's just trying to fucking learn. Be nice to him. <laughs> that's all he gets. All the classroom, all he gets. Like he's not out there rocking Foursquare. All right, yeah, everybody's bullying him. He gets to the classroom. Be nice to him. Yeah, he doesn't have the benefit of living next door to his teacher. Yeah, yeah look. If, if, and constantly harassing him. If you take anything away from this podcast, it's be nice to Minkus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and Gilbert calls Anne Carrot, or Carrots, Carrots. one or the other. And uh, she flips the fuck out. Yeah, that's like her Hulk word. This yeah. is the real, like, redhead stereotyping yeah. that, like... Yeah, it's it's like calling Marty McFly chicken. Yeah, she cannot control herself and breaks a slate over his head. And slates were expensive back then; they were like a penny and a half. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were a copper piece. Yeah. Well, she's in trouble. Um, she uh, is up in a room, and Marilla demands that she be let in, and Anna's hiding under the covers uh, because it turns out that she has dyed her hair. With some hair dye that she got like scammed by some street hustler. I'm assuming it was just ink. But you know, you gotta hand it to this peddler. Yeah. yeah. That peddler saw her and was like, oh, redhead. They all want the same thing. Well, I feel like. Raven colored dresses. There's a scene cut out where just Anne just give like, of course, just monologues her heart out to this peddler. Where she was <laughs> That's like, true. My hair is so red and all I've ever wanted to be is black. And if my hair was black, everyone would love me and respect me like this other person with black hair, you know. And then he, and he was like, hey, take this, uh, Take this pot cleaner, it'll dye your hair black. And, I'm sorry, uh, I this enchanted pot cleaner. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was enchanted by the lady of three magic uh, beans. If you do it at the right time, it'll magically change your name to Cordelia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and I'm like, how did she pay for it? Does she get like an allowance, or did he just give it to her to shut up? <laughs> <laughs> Are there any characters in fiction named Cordelia outside of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Huh. And Shakespeare. Okay, oh, yeah. Shakespeare. All right. right, there we go. That's oh, where that's she picked the name. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's one other, but maybe not. Yeah. I mean, Delia. That's Wait, that's American Horror Story. Oh. <laughs> or, or, or Johnny Cash songs, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, God, if she, if Anne was in high school now, she would be one of those girls who would just stop talking to, who wouldn't stop talking to you about like B Shakespeare plays. 
Oh, yeah. you mean me? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, you guys, have you read Cymbeline? It is like so weird, but like also like really good. That was pretty much me verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> so I apologize to everyone who knew me from the ages of 16 to probably about 22. That includes you, Poindexter. No, I was there. You yeah. were there. But I uh, I appreciated that sort of thing. That's so it true. Out. You did, you weirdo. Still, I haven't read Cymbeline. Really ought to. I think they're making a movie out of it. <laughs> anyway. Alan but Cummings it's set in a high in school. It. But it's set in a high school. You know, did you see the one where they did a fellow set in high school? Do you see the one where they did uh, Two Gentlemen from Verona set in a high school? What? No. Yeah, it's not real. Okay. <laughs> not a thing okay i was gonna be really surprised that i didn't know about this. that would be surprising because that one ends with a rape do exchange well, students from verona high um <laughs> that sounds amazing i always wanted to do an updated comedy of errors called errors with a backwards r that was set at a computer camp and some other kind of camp starring the jonas brothers but that would be a really good idea uh it would have been but I think the Jonas Brothers have moved on. Well, they have. They're too old now. Yeah. I'll have yeah, to get the One Jonas Direction men. or something. Yeah. <laughs> they're on their peak. You need to start scouting boy bands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That'll get you put on a list somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I swear. I'm just casting a modern-day version of the Comedy of Errors. The only error you made was coming to this soccer practice. Where do you make your bones as like a boy band? Like what's like the open mic punk club that you go to as a boy I band to get you discovered? Have, you have a stage mom. Stage moms and shopping malls, I guess. Yeah, like, like you have a stage mom who's probably blowing people behind yeah. the scenes. To you, you go to you, you go to whatever go. fashion island discount theater like place yeah. that has a skating rink and, and sing. You do catalog modeling and you yeah, do, you sing the like, national yeah. anthem at minor league baseball games. Yeah. And yeah. You do, you do dinner theater appearances at hockey games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're the only boy in a dance class. Yeah, yeah. You're a male cheerleader. I a guy I went to high school with was like this nationally ranked dance male dancer, mm-hmm. but it was also because just for whatever like high school competition for male dancing only had fifty guys across the state of California, the most populous state of the nation. <laughs> so it was like, oh, okay, you're top ranked, and he was like number like twenty five, which is good, but that's like also in the middle of fifty people. Like right. who knows. He seemed good. He seemed to know what I, uh, he was doing. I don't really have an eye for that. He chose didn't fall down a lot. Yeah. So, like, well. I chose the wrong path. Should have been a male dancer. Yeah. Very yeah. little competition, it sounds like. Hold me closer, male dancer. <laughs> Wear your dance belt on the highway. So where was she broke the slate? Uh, yeah, and then <laughs> oh, she dyed her hair. She dyed, dyed her, her hair. hair. Sorry. And then Marilla, in a surprise move, was like, "Ah, it's all right. Trial's over. You're with us now." So you know that's cool. Yeah, bitches be weeping yeah. over here. And Marilla cuts Anne's hair short, and then Diana uh, does her semaphore thing, which I was like, "Wow, that's weird." But you know, I mean, Diana has no personality. Yeah, like, and it's she's not. Like, she's so bland. She's it's not this pronounced. I think in the book that I think the actress's performance leaves a lot to be desired. She's a bit of a like, literally a bit of a mouth breather. Like, her yeah, mouth she is. is. This, and you know, it's. I mean. There's not a lot in the script. It's not like she's failing anything in the script. She's just right. not adding yeah. thing but any above say, it. But I will say, again, drawing these parallels. She's not a plus. She's not a minus. She's just like a zero. She's just a, a blank. Yeah, yeah, but people like Anne of Green Gables always have a friend like that. Yeah. I will say, you know, my friend like that was never as boring as this Diana is. But it's almost always somebody who's just willing to, like, let you, like, be the center of attention all the time. Yeah. And that's great. 
if you like being the center of attention all the time. <laughs> I feel like, especially when you're young, it's really hard to have friendships with somebody who has like the exact same energy level. Yeah. As you, because it just, you get into like weird loops and, uh, you, you're usually also like people, people always like want to force two people to compete against each other so if like you're too similar two people be like oh you have to figure out which one of you is the best at the thing yeah Mm -hmm. it's like we can't have two people who do the same thing we got to make you guys fight it out right uh so it's like that's where you got like everybody everybody has that kind of relationship where they're the quiet one and somebody's the loud one or vice versa and like depending which friends i'm with i go from being the loud guy to somebody just follows around and where i'm just like the quiet guy who's just like yeah yeah let's just listen to him scream for a while yeah yeah so the seasons pass. Uh, the teacher announces who all the mathletes are, um, <laughs> and it's Gilbert and Anne and the teacher's side piece. Um, <laughs> that's not his side piece. That's his main bitch. Yeah, that that's like, his, look at like, this guy. This is the best he can he's ever. He's like possibly grooming do. her. Yeah, he is. Ew. He's like he's just like it's like. It's like Terminator, and he's come from the future, and he knows this one girl <laughs> is uh, the humanity's hope. She's gonna, she's gonna bring balance to Canada <laughs> because Canada always has so many, yeah. you know, problems. <laughs> right. Well, they do have Quebec. Yeah. Quebec is like the only interesting like thing about Canada, like internally. But what about the Charlottetown Conference of eighteen sixty four? Uh, that sounds like it might have been cool. It happened at the same time as the circus. But you and know what? so I, none of the delegates could stay in any of the hotels because the hotels were all booked up and they had to stay just on the ships that they had come in. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when did you find this out? Well, I looked up Prince Edward Island on Wikipedia and one thing led to another. Uh, but it's like the conference that was sort of the, the first conference that wound up resulting in the Canadian Constitution. Huh. Yeah. Wow, it took them that long? No, wait, no. That was before. Right. So it was, Well, yeah. Canadian wasn't, or Canadian. Canada <laughs> wasn't like technically independent until like the 70s or the 80s that's true with uh what was his name pierre or something yeah it's 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 pretty strange it's weird. i don't know well i know that like at that the time of the Minister. conference canada only referred to ontario and quebec and everywhere huh. else was you know prince edward island or nova scotia or whatever they wouldn't have considered themselves canada per se interesting um but they that's were... neither here nor there <laughs> So yeah, then we've got the scene with the boys throwing things at, at Anna Diana, and Anne ch- chases one of the boys. And the thing I don't I like, think Gilbert was with them. Uh, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm uh, just saying, throwing things at people I, was not his jam. I thought it was Gilbert that she was chasing, but I no, know. I think it was Moody or the other one. It There's was like three named boys. Boy, this really does not pass the male equivalent of the Bechdel test. Yeah. And that kind of, like, makes me happy. Like, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm fine with yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's, but just, it's like, just it's weird how, like, happy that makes me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, finally, something for me. Yeah. What I like about this, too, is that she's running after this boy, and the boy, like, climbs over this gate and that says no trespassing. Then she goes and tries to go climb over it. But if you look at it... There's no fence on either side of the gate. It's just a gate sitting by itself that either of them could have run around. It's weird. Uh, well, they ran out of money. And yeah. It kind of looked like bush or trees were in between the gate or something. I but don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever it was, it's clearly working for this German guy because he, he realizes that his perimeter has been breached and goes and yells at Anne and uh, then goes and yells at the teacher who punishes Anne by making her sit with Gilbert. Which is like punishment. A fate worse than death. <laughs> or reward. Well, for Gilbert. 
That teacher's just like way into like sexual tension though. Right? <laughs> yeah, he is. See, like punishing her pain. And the part where like, uh, where she pauses and he was like, do you not understand me? And he's like, oh, I thought, she, I can't remember. She says something sassy about uh-huh. how I couldn't imagine you would really want me to do that. And, he, and he's just like, you must obey what I say. And it's just No, weird. I'm like, this guy's it's, like a perfect sadist. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think that's what makes his pederasty so creepy. Like, like you say, I mean, it was a different culture and people got married at much younger ages and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's still and, you know, They would totally be like, oh, hey, this hot shot teacher in from Charlottesville. Like, this is my ticket out of here. But he's so ineffectually mean. Yeah. And in a way that is so clearly serving only his ego. Yeah. Like, I can, I'm, you know, I'm totally down with a mean teacher who. You get the idea this guy's got nothing. That ger- exactly. The German farmer rails him out for so long and basically yeah. is like, look, the only reason that you're here is your uncle. And if you cause too many problems, you're going to be out of here because your yeah. uncle doesn't have that much power. Yeah. Yeah. Don't fucks with Avonlea. Yeah, that's right. Is basically what this German. Yeah. Who guy wants is to be on the school like the Prince Edward Island school board? <laughs> um, a lot of people, I bet. Actually, there's not TV. That's the most entertaining thing. There's that you not much do. TV. There's probably a small stipend. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they have a little spelling bee. The teacher's child bride can't spell chrysanthemum. In fairness, that's a hard word. Yeah. yeah, I feel like you know when I was in the target audience for this, I was much better at smelling at smelling chrysanthemum. I was better at smelling and spelling chrysanthemum. <laughs> yeah, uh, because it is the flower of the month of November, which is my birth month. Well, I had a shitty little diary that taught me that. <laughs> uh, Gilly gets closer, and then Anne nails it. Of course, Are you calling him Gilly? <laughs> Why not? Like from Thirty Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun to say. I know, that's fine. <laughs> I feel like we called somebody else Gilly. Lord Gillingham. Ah. Yeah. Wow, they really are basically the same character. They really are. <laughs> Lord Gillingham uh, in Downton Abbey is Lady Mary's current blandest suitor, uh, who's just like boring as shit. And yeah. we're like, okay, he's handsome he's and rich. He's just there. Yeah, he's yeah. just around. God, I've, I've not thought about Downton Abbey since. Don't we start stopped. now, man. Yeah. Anyway. We're on hiatus. <laughs> we are. We don't have to think about it. That's nice. Some bitch ass Anne how to spell freckles and Gilly defends her and tries to talk to her, but she's all like, uh. It's Josie. You're missing all the best Josie moments. Well, that's fine. She says, At hey, Anne, point- how do you spell freckles? And then Diana's like, hey, Josie, how do you spell ugly? And then sticks her tongue out. It's great. This is some classic <laughs> mean shit going on here. And you've this got is 1908 Mean Girls. Yeah. This is like when my friends and I, there was a girl who later became my high school best friend, wanted to hang out with us. And we're like, okay, but only if you let us call you La Fromage, which means the cheese, <laughs> the cheese French, yes. which I had learned from an episode of Freakazoid that week. <laughs> so we just would do mean shit. And it was awesome for us. It was not awesome for Pam. <laughs> no. Sorry, Pam. It <laughs> all worked out. Uh, Pam from Mosh. <laughs> <laughs> she did legally change her name during college. Yes. I noticed at this point that Gilbert seems to get uglier in every single scene. Like yeah, and once he pointed it out, it's like his face gets ruddier and his hair gets poofier. It's very weird. Doesn't age well. No, not no. at all. Unlike Fromage. Yeah. Certain Fromage. <laughs> And like his hair like puffs out over the front like the bill of a cap. Like the it's hair with puffy sleeves. 
Anne and Gilbert are tied for first place in the school, and uh, the creepy teacher is leaving, so there's going to be a party <laughs> to relieve their sad feelings at his departure. And only the girl that he was hooking up with is crying. Yeah, and he kisses her and then heads out, and everybody's like, oh yeah, the trustees ran that pervert out of town. Like, that's... <laughs> That was not cool. That's the trustee's job. No, that to is. Be yeah. fair. That, they have basically two jobs. Make sure at least five of the kids can read and run any pedophiles out of town. Yeah. It's good thinking. Uh, Josie walks on a picket fence. Uh, She's so sassy. She is so sassy. I want to write a novel from her perspective called Josie Pie, A Pie's Tale. You're like, I'm Josie and I don't give a fuck. She really does not give a single fuck. She doesn't. Well, because she's she the most the self-actualized person in this entire thing. And then she jumps into Gilbert's arms, and then looks dead at Anne, and is like, "What? Huh? Step." Uh, no, and it doesn't get drawn out in the movie, but in the book, and Diana makes a reference to it, like the pies are known as like these scheming like cheaters. Oh yeah, because um, they talk about Josie like needing to cheat, and Diana's like, "Oh, Josie doesn't cheat because she has to; she cheats because she's a pie." And that's like the only thing that you get about the pies. I can't even think of a good like counter example of what they're like, but they're just like they're like the carnies. Of Adam Lee somehow. Yeah. But she comes off great in this. I'm like, you're really, you know, she's getting what she wants. Yeah. Which is Gilbert mainly. Yeah. And I'm like. Falling out of a boat. Yeah. Like if Gilbert's fine with it, like why wouldn't he be? Like she's cute. Yeah. She seems reasonably intelligent. Not a redhead. So that's a plus. (laughs) Right. Not a hideous monster. (laughs) Anne has like such a good self image of herself. Except for her hair. No, she has a horrible self. Okay. I was like, are you being sarcastic? I was being sarcastic. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. But she does have the confidence to walk along the uh, ridge pole of the roof, but not the dexterity to do so without falling down. But that's not real confidence because, like, she's only doing it because she's being goaded into it. So she doesn't doesn't have the confidence to say no. She said she knew a girl. She said she saw someone do it before. And, and then, then Josie's like, like, you couldn't do it. And it turns out you can't. She gets concussed and, you know, yeah, fuck, turns, sprains her ankle. Turns she, her ankle, falls into an old well. Yeah. she. I mean, well, she comes out of falling off the roof fine. She doesn't hurt her ankle to, like badly until she falls in the no, old well. No, she did. She was limping on the way back. And then when she fell down the well, she twisted her other ankle. Well, okay. And then she couldn't walk at all. Uh, so that's what happened. Get the facts straight, Tom. I'm working on Why it. Why didn't you watch this 400 times <laughs> in your youth? But yeah, she falls in an old well by the cabin. After she decides to tell dumb Diana that the forest is haunted, and like, like, don't tell Diana that. Yeah, that doesn't. Diana doesn't need that in her head. Well, it's like, first of all, accept the ride in a carriage. Second of all, don't take the long way just because you refuse the ride in the carriage. Yeah. Uh, third of all, don't take the shortcut through the forest you told your best friend was haunted, who was clearly shaken by that. <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, you know, Diana's all freaked out, and, like, Anne's like, uh, now I'm also scared. And I'm like, but you created the culture <laughs> of fear that is now dominating this. This is insanity. She's uh, quite impressionable. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's self-perpetuating. It's like how, you know, in the 80s, Republicans made up lies to the CIA as, like, disinformation, and then in, like, 2000, we are like, oh, these things are all true. And then, yeah. like, the CIA is like, no, we made those up. And it's like, well, if we made them up, how come they're here? And yeah. it's just like... Right. Or it's like that money thing. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so everybody's upset for a minute, but then they find out that Anne was like first place in the school. So like, fine, fall down all the walls you want. Yeah, this is like now a theme for the rest of <laughs> any like initially every every time that Anne did something stupid, she had to confess or apologize. Now every time she does something stupid, she gets a good grade. Right. So they're really setting up like this fake, uh, a false positive for all of her bad choices from here on out. And she's so mean to Kilbert. Like he's just a dumb boy. Right. That is obviously in love with her, but she's so like haughty to him. Well, he's a dumb boy, and then she's she's a dumb girl. You know, That's she true. doesn't know she she's she's raised by people who hated her. You know, yeah, she, that's a good point. She doesn't know what love is. What is really weird about her, though, because as you said, she does not have a good self image, but she has a very high opinion of herself. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she's got an extremely high standard for how people should treat her. Despite well, all of these, I mean, flaws that's what, that almost what it is, is: is that she doesn't feel that she deserves the red hair, or mm. you know, the tragic circumstances, or whatever. She should be a raven tressed, you know, beauty with puffy sleeves all the time. She just, you know, she just isn't for whatever reason. She's like very gnostic. Like she has this amazing spirit that is being imprisoned by this horrible body. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's also, it's not like, I'm just like relating to this more and more the longer <laughs> we go through this. It's not like Gilbert comes out and is like. Hey, I think you're really cool. Let's hang out. Like Gilbert's not straightforward. No, he did call her carrots and yank on her brain. Yeah, and it messed around, and is also seeing another girl. Yeah, and like you know, if he was like when she fell off the roof, and he was like, "Hey, cut the shit." Like you need to do this. This isn't about me or you. This is about that nobody should walk home on a on a messed up ankle. Right. But he doesn't. He lets her walk home. Because he just doesn't have the courage to be like, hey, yeah. come on. Well, as you say, he's dating this other girl. But it's like to an extent, you know, it sort of seems like one of those situations where Josie just keeps being like, okay, we're dating. And now we're going on, a, you know, now we'll see no, you with this I would picnic, totally agree. And now you'll yeah. see me here. And he's like, uh, all right. I what? mean, I was never able to bamboozle anybody into that kind of situation. Well, I mean, we see but- it when she hops off that fence into his arms. It's not like he intended for that to happen. <laughs> she was just like, oh, hey, catch he, me. He, does, he doesn't do anything to stop it or fight it. Either. Yeah, right. No. Right, exactly. He's he he's, just, v- he's very passive. Yeah, he just allow he just allows passive, things to happen to him. Yeah, yeah, more passive than Matthew even. And he yeah. wants he wants Anne to happen to him, and Anna's like, "No, you want me? You have to you have to earn me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to keep up with me. And uh, how can he do that if she's going to be running around on rooftops? He's too I, sensible for that shit. Well. It's weird, though, because he's also explicitly stated to be three years older than she is. But I guess they always do say that girls mature faster than boys. True. But that puts him at, like, 16 when they meet or something like that. Oh. Well, 16, 13. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Like, and, you know, they're all in the same, you know, one-room schoolhouse. I don't know to what extent that affects. Because, you know, I would never hang out with a 13-year-old when I was 16, per se. But... I had a ton of 16-year-olds to hang out with. So, like, you know, that might not have be- seemed like such a big difference. But it's like there's know. 15 kids in the schoolroom. There's maybe 35 kids in all of Avonlea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you pick the people that you like. They're both clearly, the. I mean, it's constantly mentioned how they're the smarter, the yeah, two smartest true. people. Right. So I think part of it, too, is like we were talking about earlier with friends and how you know, you have like the high energy friend and the low. It's it's hard to be friends with somebody who is on the same page as you. Yeah. When especially when you're younger, because everybody wants to fill in. It's like it's got to be a TV show. Like you have the the cool friend and the weird friend mm-hmm. and the smart friend and like 
they're both the smart friend and it's like that's when you become like those like uh, the tie fighting like the like the beta fishes where like you can't be in the same you can't be in the same spot without fighting with each yeah. other yeah no yeah which brings us to the cordial incident oh snap yeah uh so <laughs> Marilla's heading out. How weird is it that this is like the most famous part of this book? <laughs> uh, because it is literally the most exciting thing that happens to anybody. It's the most exciting, and it's possibly the only time Raspberry Cordial is ever used in anything. Yeah. yeah. As a plot device or otherwise. I feel like a cordial, a, there's a cordial in the line, the witch in the wardrobe. I don't know if the flavor is specified. Um, I feel like one of the flavors, yes, in Mary Poppins, when she's giving the kids the medicine, oh right, uh, Jane gets lime cordial. That's true. So, look if you Google like I did this today. So if you Google, <laughs> if you Google raspberry cordial, all the results oh, are in yeah. game. Totally, yeah. no, no, absolutely. And the weirdest part is that I feel like raspberry cordial sounds like it should be alcoholic. It does. I guess that's not what cordials are for. <laughs> right. I'm, so, thinking, I'm thinking of like a liqueur. Yeah. But I'm, for some reason, I think the idea of a raspberry cordial being alcoholic has been burned into my brain from this <laughs> incident. I, so, does Anne not drink any of the blackcurrant wine? Like, does no, she not have she, any of it herself? No, she doesn't taste it. She and doesn't. even if she did, she'd never tasted either one, so she wouldn't have known the difference. Right. And so what, like, cause what happens is, like, she gets, Anne gets distracted and goes into the kitchen. Like, not distracted, like she has. She starts yeah. spinning a weird story about saving Diana from the smallpox. Right. Which I'll get into momentarily. Right. But, but she's even also got, like, that. some, She's got to lose, like, there's some cooking or something that she has to do in the kitchen. She has to go get tarts and pies and whatever. Yeah. And, so Diana, and so Diana starts pounding the supposed cordial. And look, also, look, acting drunk is a very difficult acting challenge. Diana does not succeed at all. No. In <laughs> like, no way did she appear to be drunk at all. Like, I yeah. mean, it was ridiculous. Because I had, to, I had to do it as a child when I was in MAME. I had to pretend to be drunk as a child. And I'm, I'm sure I was just as bad. So I don't want to, you know, like, fault this actress too badly. Yeah. Were you in a, like, a, a big film production? <laughs> I was in a Dayton Community Theater yeah, production. Yeah, so I think there's a difference. There is. It's also, like, the hardest thing, because I, I remember doing, when I did, like, youth theater, and we, we would like, uh, you know, when, when you hit like 15 or 16, you'd start doing like really controversial plays mm-hmm. just to be tough. And there's one we did where we're trying to get the guy to act drunk and he just had never, he was a square and he never went drinking. So he does this weird fucking like 40s hobo drunk thing. And it's like, that's not, and because like the whole thing took place at like a club, like a, like a pickup bar. And it's like, that's not how like a drunk person would be at a bar to like, they wouldn't be like, burping and like stumbling around I really and wish doing I had a, a silly walk to go back to see this happen yeah <laughs> i was just thinking about it uh, was a long it was a one act but it was like a long play ooh, so it was like yeah. it was funny for a minute it was like john come on just yeah yeah just do this some kid like, we'll was, go to a party on saturday and i'll point out drunk because it's just yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like i don't know i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not a great actor but i feel like acting drunk it would mostly just be like you would just be louder than you usually are. That's like what being drunk and being at a bar yeah, is. It's just not controlling or not caring to control your voice. I once did a dinner theater show that was so bad. It was one of the worst things I've ever done. 
but uh, my character got progressively drunker through it. And that was, I mean, one of, you know, sadly, one of the best things I felt like I ever did. Because I was apparently very good at that. And I'm like, well, acting drunk is good. I'll just be drunk most <laughs> of the time. And yeah. I think that'll be okay. I did um, I did this horrible, uh, speaking of Victorian Edwardian, I did this horrible Christmas Carol play. Hasn't uh, everyone? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It, it's it's in the books. And it was, it was, there's also like a thousand different scripts for the Christmas Carol. Right. And so I did one where it was like, there's Scrooge, and then like so you don't have a thousand characters that combine a lot of stuff. So I was cousin Freddy, but then I was also the narrator. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also because I was six foot four, they made me the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. Right, right. Which that was the worst part because they just want you like extending your arm, pointing for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, and just like trying to explain to the director like I'm kind of like a shaky, fidgety person to begin with, but then just like no one can just extend their arm for yeah. fifteen minutes. Like. People have to that's put like it down. That's like a zen exercise. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> if you're going to hold your arm up for 15 minutes, that's, that, that's all some, you're doing that That's day. some weird like Kung Fu The Legend Continues exercise <laughs> where you're just like, daniel son, just hold your arm straight for 15 minutes and point into the future. <laughs> but uh, So is it Fezziwig's ball or Fezziwig's party sure, or whatever yeah. the scene is? Uh, and our, our director to her... You know, she was a nice lady, and to her credit, she was a little old, and she was, she was a little, she was, I don't want to say scatterbrained, forgetful. Yeah. And yeah. so she, like, carefully blocked all of these scenes for people to, things to do, but she never blocked anything for me. So I just decided that my character was going to be the drunk. Nice. And just hang out at the punch bowl through the entire party, and just, um, then it became a bet between my, my friends that every performance, I would drink one additional cup of punch throughout the scene. Um, yeah. Which, by the end of the rehearsal, or by the end of performances, it was supposed to be like 20 cups. Oh, my God. And the director finally caught on to what I was doing and was like, can you not do that anymore? <laughs> I was like, okay. But the last night of the play, I'm like, well, fuck it. I have to drink 20 cups of punch. <laughs> and uh, so, and then it all went to the point where we're like, uh, the ghost of Christmas past shows up with Scrooge and we're all supposed to freeze. And I just kept drinking punch because I had to drink four more cups of punch. <laughs> And then the scene ended, and I went outside and threw up. <laughs> That's a great story. That is a great story. We have a lot of former youth theater uh, listeners, so I think that's going to. Oh, it was great. It yeah. was. I I have like a lot of because I I took this like really intense but not really informative youth acting class mm-hmm. in like a small town, the small town that I grew up, yeah. and it was by this guy who was like a um, former. Not even child star, but just former child actor who, like, in the 70s and the 80s had, like, become huge into method acting. And I thought you were going to – I was, like, 50-50. <laughs> are you going to say meth or method acting? So, method acting, though, like, he he definitely had a huge drug problem in a lot of times. I went, like – he did, uh, like he, we talked about it a lot later when I was like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. But you know, when I was younger, he'd always just like drop stuff like, "Oh yeah, I always used to hang out with Kelsey Grammer when he was doing a ton of cocaine." And we we're like, "What were you doing, Mike?" <laughs> you know. And like, I think he was Kelsey Grammer's bag man. I'm not sure. Like, I think he carried Kelsey Grammer. Like, he was like, uh, like the. 
I don't want to say which entourage character because like there's no good entourage character. He was his own person, but he yeah. was like if if you made an entourage style show about Kelsey Grammer, he would be one of the guys staying yeah. in the house. It's like you know, it's like it's like a hybrid of like Johnny Drama and Turtle. Yeah, yeah, well. no. Like he sometimes has some business. Like acumen. yeah, he's got his kind of his own thing going on, yeah. but like yeah, he's like a you know he was like, he's he'd of be that like group. a tertiary. You know, he's like their coke guy who is sometimes around and sometimes is not around. Um, and then, Maybe. but mostly all of like the also acting, Kelsey Grammer's coat guy who, and then he has a cameo mm-hmm. and then it's the whole thing. All of the acting classes, like all, all we'd ever do were just like improv scenes from whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. he said he would like studied with these people before they moved to London. And it's like, I think you just watch the TV show and don't really know what else. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look, the world of teaching children's theater is bizarre. Yeah. As someone who used yeah. to do it, like. There's some weird broken I, people yeah. that we allow to take care of our children for a couple of hours. I was like, um, I don't know. I don't know, like, what you would say, like, assistant stage manager or something for this version of Alice in Wonderland, except the Wonderland is the 60s. <laughs> yeah. With all 12 year olds. Oh my God. Oh my God. A lot of fun stuff like that. Yeah. Anne of Green Gables does Anne not of Green do Gables. anything like no. this. Sorry, yeah. we went on a community nothing, theater rampage. so interesting is that. I can't fault us for. So we're talking about the wine, the, yeah. the, the, the so right. black currant wine. Drunk. That was how we got yes. there. Right. And I mean, there isn't really much to say about it. Like, Diana gets hammered and everybody's upset about it, you know. It is all so slight. Like, watching it as an adult, I'm like, wow, like, this entertained the shit out of me as a child. <laughs> and now I'm kind of like, oh, like, when is the part... Oh no, that's in the sequel. Never mind. When the rich guy falls in love with her and then she's like, I can't marry you. Well, it's also so weird because like, she has like four cups of like 30 proof. Homemade wine. Homemade no. wine. Well, and she says it tastes great. So Which it's like, that's, that's I mean, actually, it's a lot of sugar, right. so you definitely get a headache. But it's yeah. like 20% alcohol maybe. Tops. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Manischewitz wine. It's like... True. I mean, I've been to Passover meals where, like, the 12-year-olds get four cups of Manischewitz mm-hmm. wine, and uh, everybody's fine. They're maybe a little <laughs> bit louder or kickier, but, like, they're not, like... Well, probably no more than just over having sugar. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Diana's lightweight. Yeah. Real lightweight. Yeah. That's a temperance society. I get it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's her mother is all temperate or whatever, so... <laughs> She says that Diana and Anne uh, can never be friends anymore. God, Mrs. Barry is an even bigger drama queen than Anne. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just want to say. Yeah, that is true. And so so extreme. And then Anne is so extreme because she's just that. That's like, ah, oh, God, I can't remember the line that she says when they like when she says goodbye forever. All I remember is she's like, "May I have a lock of thy raven black tresses?" And yeah. Diana's said- so dumb. She's like, "Why don't I have a black dress?" But Maybe she, she says some like drunk. real emo, like oh, this is yeah. the winter of our discontent speech. Well, right, and right. I just read this thing that I found interesting, although I don't ultimately agree with it, which is like a queer reading of Anne of Green Gables, which I kind of call bullshit on because they definitely left out some of this stuff about like her and Gilbert's relationship. Later well, on, she does say married. bosom buddies a lot. She it's does weird. say bosom. Like, what's that about? Like, get a Subaru. No, and like, gets looks from the adults too. Like, there's a couple times where she says bosom friend, and they're like, wait a minute, do you mean bosom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to know about those, <laughs> right? Um, no, but I mean, you know, she does. Like, the way she treats Diana is the way like a crazy possessive person would treat yeah. 
their boyfriend or girlfriend. Well, it's also it's it's literally her first relationship with a person. Her That's age. also true. not well, even like not even like a relationship relationship, but just any relationship. Right. And even though in this community, I feel like the boys and the girls aren't segregated as heavily as they are in a lot of things happening in this yeah. time period. And I think that also has to do with class. If you're a working class farm community. The gender barriers are a lot more fluid. I mean, there's yeah, still going to be rules, but they're not. It's a small farming town, so it's just you kind of want them to mingle because, like, maybe your two farms will become one. You yeah, know? yeah. But at the same time, I mean, just you know, it wasn't done to have a very emotionally involved relationship with somebody the opposite sex, particularly not at this age. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I saw it on Jezebel or something. It was worth reading, mm-hmm. especially if you're familiar with the whole series and it kind of puts some other things into perspective. But again, I don't ultimately hold with it, but I think, you know, I can definitely see where you could have that reading for sure. Yeah. And hey, if that's the reading that you like, go yeah. for it. I just like the scene where she said goodbye and took a lock of her hair because at the end of it, like the camera pans over as she's leaving. There's just these cows hanging out. <laughs> like what? Are you done? We're grazing over here. Well, it's like so boring for the next like 20 minutes because just nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a new she just teacher. goes to school. There's it's a new teacher. Stacy and they all romp around and have a real Yeah, she's the Edwardian Miss Frizzle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's got doing calisthenics. Honestly, if there's like a lesbian reading, it's like a giant crush on Miss Stacy. That's actually part of the okay. theory as well. Yeah, yeah. There's Miss Stacy, and then there's Miss Brooke and Anne of Avonlea, and all these shenanigans. Yeah. Then there's the scene where Anne finds a dead mouse in the food. I couldn't tell what it was, but it turns out to it be was the a sauce. Yeah, plum pudding sauce. And then just like sneaks it outside and I'm I you know, having no idea what's going on here, I am baffled by this. Like how do you just like what what are you gaining by this? Well, she is still very afraid of failing. And right. I think this also points well, to why she does so well in school, but she's afraid of telling Marilla because we find out later she forgot to put the cheesecloth yeah. over the over the can. There's a little bit right. missing exposition that she made the pudding and she messed up the pudding. Well, I mean, yeah, the fact that she was supposed to leave the cheesecloth over isn't revealed until like halfway through. So I was very confused yeah. and then I cleared it up a little bit. No, because well, Miss Stacy has come over unexpectedly for dinner to invite Anne to be part of the Queen's College class. Right. Which is like, it's not a college, it's not a university. The it's way a college th- prep class, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like a, it, or like, not a finishing school because it's co-ed, but it's like. Well, it's a teacher's school and then you can get your teaching certificate or you can be you know, from there, go to university. Yeah. So it's like almost like a junior college. School. Yeah. It's like yeah. community college. Yeah. You get your AA. But, uh, yeah, but yeah. before Miss Stacy eats the plum pudding and blurts out that a mouse drowned in it. And then Marilla's very upset briefly. And then everybody laughs their asses off except for Mar- Anne. Marilla's like, bring fruit, bring cheese, bring anything. <laughs> the reference there. Oh my God. Oh, you even said that to me when we watched it and I forgot all about it. That's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. But yeah, Anne's going to be in this like Jaime Escalante stand and deliver class. Um, so that'll be cool. Diana, There's however. There's a movie called Stand and Deliver. All right. <laughs> Is there? Yeah. Yeah. Edward James Olmos. What? It's Edward James Olmos teaching calculus to kids in East LA. Yeah. Um, before Phillips. East LA was like hipstery. Um, oh, yeah. so it's like sister act, but with math? <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's like it's it's really intense. It's like no, it, it's like a nineteen year old Lou Diamond Phillips, like um, you know, even though he's an Indian and and uh, not Hispanic, playing like like a Mexican gangster character. Well, what yeah. else are you gonna and do with him? Lou D- and uh, Edward James almost plays uh, Jaime Escalante, this total just like computer nerd math teacher, but like who was like not afraid to like get up in the face of the students and be like, "You guys are gonna do this." Like, so you it's can like do Dangerous this. Minds, but with a brown teacher. And yeah, it's and calculus. And I don't know it's, what it's, it's like. It's like Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds is about poetry and Lauren Hill mainly. I mean, that. Was she in that? I don't remember. She was in Sister Act Two. She's, in, she's definitely it's, in Sister Act Two. Like I don't think she was in Dangerous Minds. It's about like real teaching. Um, yeah. Oh snap! No, well, it kind of like it's it's much more realistic and um, I don't know. I've never actually been a All teacher right, in a bad enough, school, I, but uh, uh, it's a classic movie. They they would always show like that. That was like one of the three movies they would always show when there was like a substitute teacher who didn't know how to teach a class <laughs> in high school. Yeah. It was like that, uh, Dumb and Dumber, weirdly. That's really <laughs> weird. Yeah, that's public school, you guys. And, um, <laughs> that's true. And uh, over uh, Wizard of Oz in Spanish. We watched huh. that a lot. That we would watched, be fun. We watched Steve Martin's Father of the Bride and The Breakfast Club one day when our class outing to the water trip was canceled because it was raining. And that was what we got instead. We, we were not impressed. basically, in high school, only ever got to watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But they always made us That's fast cool. forward through the castle anthrax. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, I mean, I mean, that was like every single one of my honors track classes. Whenever, like, for some reason we had a video date, like, that was the video. Although, uh, we also, in my religion classes, we would watch movies a lot because they thought that would make God hip. Um, <laughs> but my Christian morality teacher thought that Dead Man Walking was a really even-handed treatment of the capital punishment debate, which we were all like, that's stupid, Father Dennis. Like, this is clearly anti-death penalty. I, uh... As is Anne of Green Gables, I assume. <laughs> um... Yeah. Also, Matthew's at dinner, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Matthew, he's still exists. yeah, because he's not in this movie, <laughs> right? He's like three scenes, and he's done. And uh, well, there's yeah, a fourth Richard, one we haven't hit yet. Richard right. Farnsworth's very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Diana's not allowed to take this extra class because her mother doesn't hold with it. Diana uh, probably wouldn't have done well. No, she's right. yeah. Her, no, and her mom's like, it's more important for her to learn how to run a household. And I'm like, oh snap. Yeah. Run a household, learn a musical instrument. Don't get drunk. <laughs> For God's sake. Yeah. Any teenage kids listening to this, hey, don't get drunk. All right? Wait. Wait till your mind is fully formed. Yeah. Right. Make some Agreed. good decisions. You're doing a podcast. Um, yeah. So God, it's- the high schoolers are doing podcasts somewhere. I just thought of that. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. <laughs> we don't have the five hours that would talk about every problem it is with high schoolers doing podcasts. That is true. Uh, so it's winter all of a sudden, and Marilla's off to see the prime minister, which that's pretty exciting. I mean, it would be pretty exciting. That's legit. You'd love to meet the prime minister. Well, the Canada. weird thing. Now. I'd do it right now. The weird thing I about the, the whole movie is it's all these kind of disconnected stories without any exposition or like tied into each other. Yeah, it's very well, low-key. So I mean, it's epi- it's definitely episodic, I guess you would say, but yeah. it's just like... Well, it strikes me as very much, again, not having read the book, but that's a lot of the books that I liked as a kid were, you know, The Great Brain was sort of like this set in 1800s Utah, and it was like, oh, he gets in a scrape, and he finds his way out of it. And then he gets in another scrape, and he finds his way out With of it. With the know. help of the angel Moroni? Well, they were uh, Gentiles, a.k.a. Catholics. Gotcha. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, you would love that. I did love it. They Good went to a Jesuit you. school in Salt Lake City, and oh, they got into some trouble. Uh, that's Jesuits for you. <laughs> anyway, 
Somebody out there gets it. Um, Jesuits, most likely. Diana's mom is also going to see the prime minister and gives Anne a stink eye. I want this gift so bad because Anne's like peering out the lace curtain. Like she knows Mrs. Barry is out there. And Mrs. Barry sees her and like she's like laughing and be like, oh, politics. And she sees Anne and is just like, ugh. I'm like, dude, she gave her some wine. Like she didn't do anything intentionally. I don't know. I mean, I imagine at first she was pretty cool with like clearly like. Diane doesn't have like a lot of friends. Yeah, so that's I true. guess so. I guess like at first you're probably like, oh, okay, her and the orphan girl, and then after a while it's like her and that orphan girl. <laughs> Don't you think you can do better, Diana? What about that nice Josie pie? <laughs> uh, so Anne and Matthew talk politics a little bit. That's where the grits come in, whatever that's about. Uh, but then Diana rushes in, freaking out, and legitimately so, because her sister is very sick of the croup and like to die. But Anne knows just what to do. She gets the Ipecac, which, again, is one of those books that comes up in YA book, period YA books, that as a child, you're like, I have no idea what that is, but I hate it. Yeah, like, we had some uh, at my house. Oh, yeah? Well, my brother had bad like asthma or allergies or something. I don't think we ever used it. We just had it. Yeah. But I think I smelled it once, and it smells foul. Yeah, Ipecac and castor oil were the two things I would read about. Well, you know what Ipecac does, right? Yeah, the whole point of it is to make you cough up phlegm or vomit. Yeah. So. This is how small of a town I grew up in. I ran into some friends in a Safeway parking lot, which is like where you would run into friends. Uh, If you're listening to L.A., Safeway's like Vons. And um, (laughs) they, I asked them what they were doing. And they just bought a bottle of syrup Ikecock, and they were like, we're so bored. We're just going to drink this and throw up on the parking lot. And they did it, and it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Wow. All right. Yeah, that, that's well, the you, life that I've lived. <laughs> that's what I think of syrup. You've our world. I just, I, I'm just trying to think. I guess so it, no, makes I mean, you, it makes you cough. I didn't know that it made you cough, so I well, was trying I to figure know. out. It seems like it has to because that's the whole point of what she says. Right. I don't really know what the croup is. so like The croup is, I mean, essentially really massive congestion and uncontrollable coughing that really inflames the respiratory airways, which I'm pretty sure my brother had. Well, I, I might think, be like. I think the croup is one of those things. Like back before they knew diseases, they just had disease categories. Yeah, like croup and uh, you know the grip. I guess the maybe grip. you call it like pneumonia Egg. or something now, possibly. Same. Right? Maybe you call this pneumonia now. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but they did know pneumonia then. Well, I don't know. Yeah, cousins, have you ever had the croup? <laughs> if so, tell what? us what the hell that means. <laughs> Was it 1909? I, I do like this scene because it reminds you that, like, as annoying as Anne is, like, she's had a pretty baller life. Yeah. Yeah. Where, like, she's done a lot of stuff and has probably been in some weird spots and has, mm-hmm. like, come out of it definitely a little emotionally damaged, but, like, she's not catatonic. She's, super she's not like, destructive. Right. I mean, Matthew goes, I mean, Matthew is catatonic. So he's fine. He goes to get the doctor. And I mean, Diana's flipping out. Yeah. Matthew's afraid of everything. Oh, yeah. We're that's very true. clear about this. <laughs> yeah. But then this chick who's babysitting is completely useless. And Anne lays the sweetest burn oh, on her. Oh, calls her out. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. She's like, you know, put some water on the stove. 
uh, I'm sorry, but you might have thought of that if you had any imagination at all. And I mean, what Anne really means there, instead of imagination, is problem solving skills. Right. Like, and common Anne, sense. Anne's, yeah. Anne's buzzword is imagination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anne, Anne seems like she's like the head writer of like 1980 Sesame Street. Where yeah, that's like, true. Imagine all your problems away, kids. <laughs> So the doctor finally shows up and says that Anne saved the girl's life, that it would have been too late when he got there. Minnie Mae, who is the same age she was two years ago when we met Minnie Mae, incidentally, in case anybody's keeping score. I'd be more concerned about that. Yeah. Like, what is Mrs. Barry doing to her? She's like, well, Diana befriended an orphan girl. I'll never let you get away, Minnie Mae. So the doctor's like, well, I'm not needed here. You'll get my bill. Um and then Matthew drives them home, and she's uh, all sleepy. And Matthew's like, of course you're sleepy. You were up late saving a girl's life. Like, you know, Well, and out. Anne's all upset because she doesn't want to miss school because she doesn't want Gil, the other boys, to get ahead. I'm like, you're very transparent. Right. Yeah. Like, get your shit together. Well, she's been up all night saving a life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next day, Marilla sees Anne getting up and is like, you know what? You're great. Way to save that girl's life. And tells uh, she says that Anne's invited to some dinner. She's invited to have dinner at the Berries. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Right, right. Berry's already yeah. been over at the right. house. Yeah, I, Marilla is such a um, a great mom. Not like in a good way, but like yeah. in like a tiger mom kind of way, yeah. Yeah. where well, she no, can't yeah. like compliment you without insulting you twice. Yeah, <laughs> where yeah. she basically calls out Anne for sleeping the day away. And it was like, oh, yeah, you were up till six in the morning saving this baby's life. But, uh, <laughs> you did sleep in past noon, and God doesn't like that. <laughs> right. Well, and she's so pissed at Mrs. Barry. And I yeah. think that's actually yeah. really, like, she's pissed at Mrs. Barry, like, on Anne's behalf because Anne right. is too yeah. naive. But what I like about that, too, is it isn't on Anne's behalf because it legitimately wasn't Anne's fault that Diana got drunk. But she's also pissed on her own behalf. That this has given Mrs. Barry like an edge on Marilla in this ongoing making some debate. Sweet side money off of that black currant wine. Oh right. yeah, that's- and that's so. It's not just on Anne's behalf. It's that she's been, you know, like put at a disadvantage in the ongoing current wine debate. <laughs> <laughs> And now, you know... And like, the stuff's vintage. Like, she's even admitted she hasn't made any in years. Yeah. Right. But it's like, uh, uh you know, save a baby's life, uh, you get a free pass on the current wine. So, problem solved. So, at the dinner, Mrs. Berry apologizes and invites Anne to a ball that is happening. Uh, and Marilla's like, no, balls are for grown-ups. But Matthew chimes in all of a sudden... And uh, talks Marilla out of it. It's he's one of like, his, fuck, it's, you ain't ever been to a ball. Yeah. You don't know. It's one of his biannual pipe-ups. Yeah. yeah. This scene actually got me because he says... To, I mean, it's one of the few scenes where you get any context mm-hmm. on these two people who neither one got married and they're living together right. in their family home. And he's saying there's no call for Anne to be raised as cheerless as they were. And that, like, cuts Marilla totally to the quick. Yeah. Like, he gets up and storms off, and she, like, has all the feels. Yeah. About something that's never explained. Right. But, you know, they were growing up on a farm in the late 1800s. Presumably, you know, they had an Possibly the mid-1800s. Yeah. They're kind of old. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, they were they were raised, you know, probably pretty austerely. Yeah. And if you look at their house, actually, Marilla has really excellent taste. 
if you're into like wallpaper and decor and things like that for the time. And even the clothes that she makes for Anne are very, you know, I think, you know, Anne is pissed because they don't have puffy sleeves, but yeah. they're very cute and they're very stylish even as they're practical. Yeah. But so I think Marilla is like taking a lot of pride in like cheering up the old homestead. I almost feel like Marilla though, like they're probably grown up raised like, uh, like Quakers or Mennonites or something like that. Like something that was probably not that big of a, di- like not that it wasn't a big of a deal, but it's something like that made a lot of sense in like the 1850s. Yeah. And then when you get into the 1900s and it's like, there is technology to reject. There's like a thing to be a Luddite about. Yeah. And there are like frills, you know, and like that's, that's the whole, I mean, we're, we're gearing up for is like the puffy sleeves where it's just like, that's an unnecessary amount of fabric. How much more fabric is it to do a puffy sleeve? Like they never seem, they never seem like they're a poor family. Right. They're no. never, they're never struggling. You look at the food they have out when the teacher's there. They're having like a Thanksgiving meal for four people. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, yeah. and then yeah. part part of that's just bad art direction, but like, <laughs> right? It's, well, it's but never I mean, made in, in the scenes we're about to see, like, Matthew doesn't have any trouble going to town and dropping some money if he feels the need. Yeah, you know? yeah. Matthew can buy a bunch of crap because he's too afraid to get. Right. Maybe he couldn't. Maybe <laughs> that like... there seems like Marilla would yell at him that if he could. But like... <laughs> right. No, it's just like it's like if you go to like buy condoms. And you like just you know, like you get like a bunch of radishes and some dish soap and just you put it all up there. Right. Radishes, huh? Cucumbers <laughs> seem too obvious. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, but I also think that's where he says that it's not meddling to speak his mind because they said at the very beginning that she told him not to ever meddle in how mm-hmm. he raised how she raised Anne. So anyway, Matthew, as you're just saying, he shows up at the store, he buys uh, a rake and then uh, some hayseed and... He tries for the hayseed. He tries for the hayseed, right, but they're not stocking it. And uh, sugar, he buys 20 pounds of brown sugar for a dollar, which 20 pounds of brown sugar seems like a lot of brown sugar to me. That's probably about like $60 worth of brown sugar right now. Yeah. Yeah. This lady, though, is a great sales associate. Like, I really Which is my what 20 pounds would cost right now, yeah. too. I don't, what do you, what How do you do with that cost? much brown sugar? Um, make taffy, but you can only make taffy in the wintertime. Yeah. Cook up molasses? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Marilla's not happy when he gets it home. Right. Like, she yeah. doesn't know what she's supposed to do with it. Right. Give it to the church. It's not like, going to go bad or anything. Give this to the poor people. Like, they yeah. need sugar. <laughs> right. They do, though. I mean, what are they going to put in their coffee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cinnamon toast for all. But the, yeah, the puffy sleeves, because it's such a, it's just a signal, it's a sign of just unnecessariness, of something well, that's and these not. puffy sleeves in particular. This dress makes Anne look like on, uh, Animaniacs when the brain went on Jeopardy. And <laughs> he was in like that head. man suit, but he just only had his mouth sized. Oh, well, head. yeah, he just has a small yeah. head, yeah. And like, that's what Anne looks like. I mean, she looks like a linebacker. Yeah. They, in this they're thing. the worst puffy sleeves I have ever seen but i mean it also kind of makes sense because i mean matthew is an idiot yeah like he's like uh could they be puffier <laughs> also, that's the like, only thing i know give me the puffiest sleeves you got <laughs> who do you want to buy your dress uh the man who's never talked to a woman <laughs> who's also probably like he seems straight like he seems oh, straight. Yeah. oh yeah like he wants to talk to women he just doesn't know how yeah and it's like hey nice like, guys like this is nice guys uh, you know and you just end up living with your sister grow some balls talk to those girls yeah 
Yeah. Put it out there. Tell them how you feel. It's not it's not nice to live a lie, all right? Put that out there. Yeah. That's good advice. Kick or else her. you'll end up like Matthew and the shop girl's like, hmm, you know this dress I've been trying to sell for the last five years? This could be my chance. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this is the ugliest thing we've ever had. <laughs> uh, but, you know. Also, wh- you're buying a dress from a general store? <laughs> that was actually my thought because, like, when he brings it home and it actually, well, it doesn't fit her well. But the I'm, fact they that they tailor it, I, I would admit, you know. Yeah, but I mean, the whole thing was like he brought it home and she put it on and it fit. Like, that dude doesn't know what Anne's measurements are. It's true. I mean, one can stretch a point and say that, you know, her measurements had been taken if, if, uh, Marilla is taking, you know, making dresses for all the time. Yeah, but I can't see Maybe Marilla. Maybe she left like, it written down somewhere. That doesn't seem I, like Marilla. She seems like the type, you know, steel trap of a mind. Well, Nobody's getting He could have overheard it or something, you know, like at, at, possible. Yeah. At Although, the time, there was no sizes. So you had to figure out stuff like that if you wanted to true. buy yeah. stuff for people. It's like, oh, you're about one cubit around the hips. <laughs> um, I mean, Matthew, however, does not seem to have a steel trap of mind, so it's all a bit confusing. Look, the important thing is Anne gets her puffy sleeves, and she gets to go to this ball. Right. Diana is also there. Her puffy sleeves are much better. Yeah, her puffy sleeves are on point. Yeah. Yeah, that's not store-bought. No, yeah. no. That was clearly handmade. Oh, and when Anne thanks Matthew for the dress wearing the dress that's where he's in the stable feeding that cow yeah and she's like walking into the stable in her dress I'm like dude don't get cow shit on your dress uh listen she's overcome with emotions rule number one about puffy sleeves (laughs) keep them out of the barn yeah Uh, balls not barns yeah (laughs) so at the ball Anne goes and stands next to Gilbert in the hopes that that will cause him to dance with her. Only because Diana has dared her. Correct. Because yeah, sure. That's the only reason. Um, listen, <laughs> I've been this person. Somebody's given you a reason to express your id's desire, and uh, you're going to take it up. Actually, never mind. I have never been in that position. I always just express my desire, and they're like, "Maybe you shouldn't do that." And I was like, "Peace." It's weird because Anne won't shut up about anything else. But, like, she clearly wants to dance. She's talking so much about how she doesn't want to dance with Gilbert that all she wants you to hear is she wants to dance with Gilbert. It's like a weird inverted Whitney Houston song. (laughs) I don't think she ever wrote about a Gilbert. (laughs) (laughs) Very few great love songs of Gilbert's. So yeah, she ends up just dancing with Diana, which is fine. And then they dance at home to a Victrola. Of doom. That's right. Uh, On this podcast, a Victrola is always a portent of something bad happening. And indeed, it is such in this case. Because then they decide to race each other to bed. To the spare bedroom, which they are so excited about. They're very excited about. Which I can sort of... I mean, I was younger than this, but I remember being excited when I would have to sleep in a weird place in our house for whatever reason. Yeah. So... But I was like eight. Anyway, I also didn't live on Prince Edward Island. Like, yeah, and you had TV. Exactly. You had the Fresh Prince. That's right. Yeah. Well, I wasn't allowed to watch it, but I had it. <laughs> um, that was the thing about like sleeping in like weird areas. Is like usually for me, it was like at a couch and like a TV room or something like that because like my aunt was sleeping in my bed. Yeah. Mm. So it's like I'm gonna watch tv really really quietly yeah yeah and like my parents i think kind of you know i think it wasn't loud my parents were pretty loose about shit like that so if yeah. it wasn't loud enough to wake them up they didn't you know yeah they're like know. well we already kicked you out of your room yeah so. right. like, like i mean i think like yeah. with them it's always like i feel like very clearly with my dad like the only rule is like you can't get caught breaking the rules yeah mm-hmm. it's not breaking the rules if you don't get caught yeah, so but that's fun yeah 
That's a uh, practical life advice. But so yeah, they're racing. They're racing yes. in the spare bedroom, and uh, it seems to be more or less a tie. But really, they both lose because in the bed is uh, Aunt Josephine, who is very upset to have been jumped on by children. Uh, <laughs> like this, much like the wine is clearly not their fault. Like somebody should have been like, "Oh, you guys aren't going to stay there, right? Where are, were they supposed to stay? I don't know if that was <laughs> we ever made clear. That out. Yeah. Like, do they just sit on this settee all night long, like?" <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Aunt Josephine is pissed and says she's not going to pay for Diana's music lessons anymore. All the Berries have a very conditional approach to all of their relationships. Yeah. They're like, oh, you pissed me off? I'm going to withhold my love and my money. That aunt is like... It's like bipolar. Like She's like, I guess you just say eccentric because she's rich. Yeah, yeah. But and it's single. So, like, she's so weird about that shit where yeah. it's just... Yeah, she. I'll tell you, she has written so many drafts of her will. Yeah, like that's my feeling. Oh my god! I feel yeah. like she's just like that level of rich where like the world is her jester, and it's like, yeah. come <laughs> dance for me. That's and what don't. she says to Anne. Essentially, no. like Anne goes in the next day and like you know does one of her fucking overwrought apologies. <laughs> well, but the, and then that's that's kind of like a turning point because mm-hmm. it's gone from her just having crazy apologies where people are kind of like sympathetic and just like. Oh, you're yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. like You're oh. crazy. You're an orphan. You're trying so hard yeah. to where, like, now Anne is just, like, very openly manipulating people. Yeah. Yeah. And doing a decent job at it. Yeah. Good no, because this lady says that she amuses her and, you know, she'll forgive Diana and not, you know, write this letter to her mother, who presumably is in another room in this house. <laughs> right. Well, and she also, Aunt Jo says something about she's been this way for 47 years or something like that. She hasn't been, like, their age in 47 years. Right. And it's like, 47? Yeah, you're, that, a, you're 102. Is that the story you're trying to pitch us, 47 years? You look very good for 92. Right. Uh, Aunt Josephine kind of looks like Mom from Futurama. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were trying to figure out who she looks like, and we couldn't quite, like, peg yeah. it. But I think that's it. Yeah. I wish she would just slap Anne and Diana and have it over with. <laughs> Instead, is this she... part of like the queer reading too? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not in the queer reading. Because that that seems kind of a, like it's like I have money, come hang out and spend time That's with true. me, and you'll get yeah. access to my money. Anne's basically her trick then. Yeah, 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 and she lives in a damn mansion. Compared oh man, to her house is seen. so cool. Like, it's nice. I was like, I want to jump on your bed. The more I think about this, that could be part of the queer reading. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately surprised that it was not yeah. mentioned in the queer reading. I can't remember how much of this is in the book, but there has to be... This is very faithful to the book. They lied some things, but yeah. in general, the relationships are all the same. Yeah, but so they're there to take the uh, like the AP test or whatever. <laughs> um, and... So they have it, and uh, Anne says goodbye to Miss Stacy, who's you know sort of been around, but there's much to say about her. Uh, she says that she has her own little troubles, which is mysterious and never explained. Pregnant, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, pregnant. Yeah, that's the only little trouble that exists. Fair enough. There um, wasn't a student that she was like privately tutoring no. that we know about. What if but. it was Gilbert? That would be the best <laughs> AU fanfic ever. That would take it into some real like soap opera stuff mm-hmm. that you don't really see in fiction like this. Yeah. It's true. And ends up marrying their child. 
Um, That's very just like Twilight. In the attic. Just like yeah. Twilight. <laughs> we just watched that the other night. It was so fun. And by that, we mean 15 minutes of one of the entries. Yeah. Um, that's how you watch Twilight. <laughs> yeah, I've fair. just, I haven't read any of the books. I saw the very, I saw Breaking Dawn part two and it's one of the most ridiculous movies I've ever yeah. seen. Oh yeah. Uh, no, we, I, for years we went every year on my birthday cause it would always come out <laughs> the weekend of my birthday and we got so drunk before we saw Breaking Dawn part two and we were laughing so hard that the couple in front of us the woman made the man tell us to shut up <laughs> this is like opening friday it was oh, yeah. so fucking ridiculous yeah we were a variable diana we were <laughs> drunk wise <laughs> yeah you guys snuck in some slow gin just drinking blackberry <laughs> basically <laughs> uh so they discuss city life and an opera singer starts singing and yeah, like and I'm bam like, sold yeah but city. i'm like somebody invent tv please this is fucking terrible they're they're working on it they really turn are. on an expose game <laughs> uh aunt joe invites Anne to stay again and they drive off to head back they run into gilbert and they each say that the other one's going to be first in the exam because that's right like get our room happens. already you guys right. god so back in the sticks um <laughs> Anne is setting up this elaborate tableau so that they can cosplay the lady of shallot uh and She's, like, so obsessed with that. I want to be like, you know what happens to everybody in Camelot, right? Like, none of it's good. Yeah. It's all pretty fucking tragic. The Golden Age doesn't last very long. No, not at all. Yeah. The girls talk her into doing it by lying to her about her hair. Yeah, like, Anne's hair has become a town-wide delusion, possibly (laughs) requiring the intervention of Scully and Mulder. (laughs) Like, they're all just like, oh, no, Anne, your hair's red. And I just see... You know, Scully, a ginger in her own right, being like, so they're saying her hair's auburn? <laughs> and Fox being like, yeah, aliens abducted her. Yeah. And that's why. It's Titian. Titian hair. It's very Emperor New Clothes. Like. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I can remember seeing some point in her teaching career, well, years later, Actually, some kid is like, so you have red hair? And she just fucking breaks it and taps it over her head. No, but I mean, that's the thing is like, People have learned at this point. They're like, fucking don't talk about her hair. Yeah, she'll kill you. Don't she'll. fucking do it. She's Marilla mo- will cover it up. She's mostly fine. But yeah, and Matthew's not going to say anything. He'll bury yeah. the body. He'll feed it to the cows. Yeah. Uh, but the boat carrying the so-called Lady of Shalott sinks and uh, escapes by hanging onto a bridge post. I'm like, how deep is this river, and why can't you swim? And why can't you, having climbed, clung onto this bridge post, climb up onto the bridge that is like six inches above your head at that point? <laughs> uh, narrative economy. Yeah. Uh, but the other girls who only see the capsized boat uh, flip the fuck out. Notably, I'll give credit to Diana here that she remains the calmest of the three, like, and is like, you know, like, we'll work this out. It's going to be fine. As opposed to the one blonde girl that just, yeah, like... Yeah, Ruby. Yeah. She's the worst. Yeah. She is. Fortunately, Gilbert rose along because he has been following Anne everywhere she goes for the last <laughs> five years um, and rescues her. And also lets her know, because anytime anybody sees Anne, it's to tell her that she tied for first place in something. <laughs> um, and that's what happened here. 
and asked if they can be friends, and she says no because she is still pissed about the whole carrots thing from like a hundred years ago. Yeah. So real mature and I mean, I love to hold a grudge. <laughs> but this is excessive. It is. It's it's almost kind of there of expressing yourself. It's like, no, we can't be friends. We could be like what she doesn't say is like we could be lovers. Yeah. Mm. We could be something more than friends. But it would never be rewarding for either of us to be friends with each yeah. other. Yeah. There's too much there. That's fair. So Anne finds the girls in some meadow somewhere and Matthew's there and she's like, hey, you know, I'm alive and all. Um, <laughs> oh, she says that. I thought you meant Matthew was saying that. Every time Matthew shows up, hey, remember me? I'm alive still. Don't get used to it. <laughs> Haven't died off screen yet. <laughs> He's, he swore he would die on screen. <laughs> by God. Um, yeah, and Marilla and Rachel show up, and then they're mad at first, but Anne's like, oh, but I got first place on this exam. And they're like, oh, then drown all you want. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Where did this boat even come from? They uh, seem to have was, a lot of boats. Yeah, it was Mr. Barry's, I think. Because oh, right, Rachel makes say. some snarky comment about, oh, he'll be glad to know he doesn't own a dinghy or whatever. Yeah, or like a maybe schooner? A dory? A dory. A dory, yeah. I didn't know that was a kind of boat. I know a lot of kinds of boats. <laughs> Said the man wearing a Moby Dick shirt. That is very apropos. <laughs> is jet ski a type of boat? Uh, yes. Okay, I know a couple types of boats. <laughs> Ski-do? Yeah. Yeah. It's a type of... Yeah, it's a boat. It's if... If it can carry another boat on it, then it's a ship. That's the difference between a boat and a ship. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah. That explains why that guy in Titanic Blood and Steel kept getting mad at Nev Campbell. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, we see Gilbert fishing by a covered bridge, and Marilla drives by and is like, hey, Gilbert, what's up? Like, she just stops out of nowhere. Right. And is like, hey. And he's like, oh, hey. Like, they've never spoken before. Right. And it's like, so, like, what's with this whole Sam and Diane thing, Gilbert? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, uh, you know she won't even speak to me. Like, there's no way I'm getting pregnant, getting her pregnant. Like, you need to calm down, Marilla. Because her whole, she's like, oh, you know, Anne's, like, super young. And he's like, listen, we're so early in this thing, lady. Yeah. Calm down. Uh, Anne and sh- the shop girl discuss a recitation that she is uh, going to be giving. And the shop girl reveals that Matthew has been buying her all kinds of clothes that all she has to do is tell Matthew that something is cool or fashionable or whatever, and he'll buy it. Get so, that money, shop girl. Yeah, I hope she's on commission. Yeah. Because she... Yeah. I think when it's a family story, you're always on commission. Yeah, it's your livelihood. <laughs> yeah, because she's landed a big one here. I try to keep him nervous about it, so that way he's always buying 20 pounds of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is it time for 20 pounds of sugar again, Mr. Cuthbert? <laughs> Right this way. You sure do love Maybe sugar. Maybe it's Matthew Sigrill. like, I got 20 pounds of sugar. <laughs> I know how you like it, Matthew. Sweet. <laughs> and then he faints. Yeah. Of terror. That was the hot song and all the player pianos back then. 20 pounds of sugar. <laughs> uh, Gilbert offers Anne a ride somewhere. And he says that she promised to be friends, which I don't think she did. She really didn't say that. Also, yeah. he's definitely stalking her. <laughs> right. He Well, he says as much. He said he, like, was following her from town or wherever Although she is Although, because they don't the have time. phones. Like, you don't have a choice in a town this small 
if you want to talk to somebody. You do have to be a stalker. You kind of have to position yourself yeah. around. You've got yeah. to be strategic. Hanging out on the trails a lot. Yeah. And, you know, nothing, neither school. I guess you could pen a letter. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't seem like she'd respond well to that at this point. Well, and he doesn't know semaphores, She loves to read. So. That's true. She does. Well, but he would have to write the letter. Yeah. So he'd write it. She'd, she'd read it. Yeah. Yeah. Neither school nor farming seems to take out that much of anybody's time. Um, yeah, they're always hanging out. Yeah. He's just fishing or boating all the time. <laughs> yeah. He must be some weird, kind of like, savant. Matthew really needed this boy to farm. I get, Well, they get they hire a boy to help they him? They hired okay. Jerry something. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. They never mention his name in the series. They do, actually. Okay, they do. It's Jerry something. But, uh, yeah, they talk yeah. about Well, when like, Marilla goes out of town or like away... And she's like, make sure you get Matthew and Jerry's dinner on the table. Oh. Yeah. Jerry that sleeps in the stables. Like. No, he like lives with his family. He just comes up and works. He's the work uh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, fine. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, Gilbert invites her to something and she accepts. He wants to escort her to the hospital benefit that she's speaking at. Right. Uh, and then he helps her down from the buggy right outside of Rachel's place, which way to broadcast yeah. it to the entire no, world. No, because Anne like, has him stop there. Well, she's going to stop up at Diana, as she says. Oh, right. So I guess she's not like trying to, you know. But like, you would think, knowing Rachel this long, you'd have to be like, hey, this lady's got a loose tongue. Yeah, maybe that's drop, tongue gossip. Maybe drop me off just out of eyesight of this place. Right. Drop me off down at the bluest. It does seem like Rachel is in the middle of... And of uh, Green Gables and whatever Diana's house is called. Yeah. Do any of the other houses have such fancy names as Green it, Gables? I think it's like Barry. When well, there's Barry's Pond. Barry's Pond. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know if they what they call the house. But Rachel Lynn's house is just Rachel Lynn's house. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck her. Yeah. <laughs> they should Bitch call house. it Gossip Mutton, Corner. Mutton Chop Manor. <laughs> Marilla frets to Matthew over the buggy incident that she has heard about and, you know, the loose morals that it represents, I guess. Uh, and she confronts Anne about it, and uh, Matthew commences to meddling, just like he promised he wouldn't do, uh, but pointing out that actually maybe just getting out of a buggy is not the most immoral thing that anybody's ever done. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I mean, if it was like a horseless carriage, it would be different. Yeah, but. that would be, like, because it's like... Yeah, well, the horse was chaperoning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tried anything. That horse, horse was like, hey, nay. you guys. <laughs> did you say nay? I did say nay. That's ridiculous. I know. I couldn't stop myself. Much like Anne and Gilbert. Right. <laughs> Zing! Anne of Green Gilbert, right? Oh, snap! <laughs> but Marilla apologizes uh, after Matthew's meddling and says that uh, Anne has changed and isn't so crazy no more, which is true. Uh, but also tells her not to make ties that she will come to regret. Yeah, because Marilla's all about her going to like school and like having a career. Yeah, you wouldn't want to hook up with that rich guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Anna, he's Anna, rich, right? Which one, Gilbert? No, no. Oh, okay. It's stated no, in the beginning not. that his dad has been ill. And that they don't have money to send him somewhere, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it yeah comes he's out not later, rich. And we're getting to the part that you haven't seen as recently, as I recall. Uh, uh, because yeah. it comes out towards the end that he can't afford to go on after the oh, teaching okay. college. Yeah. Because there's a part in the beginning where he's offering to buy her a carriage where I just associated him with being rich. That's just like how class sensitive we're like, he's going to pay for a carriage? He's got to be loaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I just assumed they were going to borrow a carriage. People just had them around. I, I don't know what the uh, economics of carriages. I when she falls off the roof, he's like, "I'll pay for a carriage." Like, oh, okay. So I, I just like, okay, he's rich. Like that was just a checkbox in my head. But yeah, uh, yeah, okay. It was Sorry. like a, the Uber of the day. I yeah, don't know. yeah. That's an option. That that's Uber XX. Is you get the carriage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uber horseshoe. <laughs> So, yeah, so Anne's dressed all fancy at this place, uh, and Matthew gives her a necklace that's uh, all nice. It's a pearl necklace. Uh, Diana and her pals are there. And They're like, hey, us dummies are here to pick you up, Anne. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> Anne has since rescinded uh, her agreement to go to this thing with Gilbert. For reasons that are not really clear. Yeah, they're not. She's just like, I'm not doing that. So she sent him a note. It's like I'm a like, strong, independent woman. Basically. I don't need an escort. Right. Yeah. And she gets his reply at the concert, and she's all nervous about it. But everybody's like, you know, you're going to be great. Um, some, soul, some old bat is reciting the Wreck <laughs> of the Hesperus. Uh, and this lady has apparently, like, been on a European tour of reciting. Uh, and everybody's just, like, Look, blown She's been away. on a European tour. Like, she went to Europe. <laughs> like, you can say whatever you want. True. But anyway, they love her. <laughs> There's like a Waldorf and Statler of old ladies in the audience, although they're generally positive, I guess. They're still super judgmental. Yeah. And then well, because, Anne, you know, because they're like, oh, that lady was great. How's this local idiot going to do? Right. That why would they put Anne on after the famous actress lady? Right. That seems like poor planning. Well, you know, they didn't know how to construct a stand-up show until the 30s. <laughs> yeah, there's writers. It's like, it's, you know, supposed to say famous actor girl. Yeah. And, and, you know, not Anne and famous actor girl. <laughs> so, yeah, Anne does her thing, and it goes great. Because, of course, like, I was assuming that it would. Um, Waldorf tells her to go take an encore, and she gets a standing Gilbert. Because <laughs> he's the only one that stands up. God, he loves her like too much. Yeah, he needs to calm down. <laughs> I'm with Marilla on this one. I'm like, hey, shove it. <laughs> so everybody's gathered around praising Anne, and she's trying to fight them off so she can go holla at Gilbert, but people keep getting in her way. And Get then, that Gil. Yeah. <laughs> And then she sees Gilbert, who's, like, having a fight with Josie, and then leaves. Yeah, Josie's dumping him. Yeah. And then he bounces. Yeah, and she's like, Gilbert, Gilbert, well, that, I'm done. Like, that's all the effort she's willing to Well, he get. was driving away in a buggy. Well, I understand. She was but wearing like, an organza dress. You can't run in that. I understand, but it's not like they end up together anyway. Oh, Josie was saying that. No, no, no. Anne was saying that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then it's like, well... If he hadn't driven away so fast, we'd be together now. But instead, nope, we're not going to be together at all. Well, she's very defeatist. That's actually, that's true. Uh, Anne and Diana stand on like a sea cliff watching the sunset over the Atlantic, which seems impossible. Um, well, they're on an island, so they could be looking, they could be looking westward. I guess so. But it seems like they'd be able to see Nova Scotia or whatever. But I've never been on the western side of Prince Edward Island, so yeah. I could be wrong. Well, is it like, and then even though Anne's life is filled with tragedy, she constantly reminds me of like people that I went to high school with who were like, my greatest tragedy is that I've never known a great tragedy. Like she's constantly looking for like yeah. the yeah. pinnacle of her book, like the sad moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
She's like the eight. Cause like, the, like, well, good news because it's coming up. Yeah. Well, like the twentieth, twenty first century version is like thinking of your life as a mo- of a movie, mm-hmm. and she's like the earlier version of just thinking of your life as a novel. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she heads off to college, Queens College. Uh, Aunt Joe like is looking after her, but keeping her in a boarding house that's closer. Uh, Josie comes by and says, "Hey." Uh, she says she has ditched Gilbert, who is a rake, right? Which is a bit much. Yeah. And seems not he's, at all true. You know, he's dumb. <laughs> right. But that doesn't make him a he, rake. He's really dumb for being tied for the smartest person in the school. Yeah. Like, I I'd like socially. A, I'd like yeah. Matthew to show up and be like, that's not a rake. Yeah. <laughs> this is a rake. Cause, cause he Got a lot of rakes. <laughs> Tried to buy a lot of dresses, mostly ended up with rakes and sugar. <laughs> uh, there's some scholarship going on, so Anne's probably going to get that. Um <laughs> Yeah, they breeze through her year of college very quickly. Yeah. Cause like she shows up and then all of a sudden it's the end of the time. Yeah. Uh, cause Aunt Joe tells her to make room for romance. So again, she brings this letter to wherever Gilbert is to give the letter. And then the guy's like, Oh, I'm old. Gilbert's right over there. And he's talking to a girl and she's like, Well, that's the end of that plan. Like he was talking to a girl at this moment. Thus. My letter is due. Also, it's completely unclear where Aunt Joe got her money from because she never got married to anybody. Right. And none of the other berries are rich. So. Yeah, and she just says that she focused class on brothel? making money. Like, what did she. Brothel, train, just make train stocks. Yeah. I suppose. Because, like, the, the other berries aren't poor. True. Yeah. And then, like, she's got to be, like, a great aunt, right? She's not, like... True. She is. She's, yeah. not, she's not the aunt aunt. Yeah. No, so, they, they specify that it's... Yeah, it's aunt. her dad's so aunt. Then, so then there's, like, probably money from the grandparents or something that, like, she got more of or something yeah, like or that. Yeah, she invested wisely or something. Yeah. I mean, anyway, hey, good on you, Aunt Joe. Yeah. She's got it. She's doing great. She's killing it. So, yeah, Anne wins the award... As we all expected. He gets to go to the college for four years, basically. And that's where we learned that Gilbert uh, cannot afford it. He also, like, either tied for the scholarship. He won the gold medal, which I think is the second best prize. So Anne finally actually came in first. Yeah, Yeah, Anne came in real first. Yeah. Boy, they really were the Sartre de Beauvoir of Queen's College. (laughs) For what that's worth, yeah. Well, there were three people out there who really were like, yeah! And those are the people that we really target. Yep. I mean, we really do. <laughs> um, Diana asks if she can date Gilbert, and Anne's like, whoa, I didn't know you were thought for yourself, but uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, all you did was talk about this guy, and it kind of got me into it. No, because Anne's like, why would you even, like, you know, why did you never express an interest? And then Diana's like, because I thought my best friend... I think she even turns the bosom friend around on oh, her. Oh, yeah. Because I thought my bosom friend was in love with him. And Anne is like, I can't believe I've been so transparent. <laughs> yeah. It's and just like a shitter get off the pot. Like. Yeah. Right. So then we see old Matthew dragging a cow along. And the cow, tired of being dragged, kicks him. And, like, it, it kills him. Like, Did the cow kick him? That's what I thought happened. I think he just was pulling the cow, and then he had a heart attack. Okay. People just have heart attacks well, in this universe. I understand. Universe. It looked to me like he had gotten kicked, but it was like a weird shot. I mean, so. people only started surviving heart attacks when like things like ambulances and stuff came yeah, around. Yeah, right. And like, I mean, you know, bufferin. Okay. Yeah, CPR. Yeah. He's, he dies suddenly. Nitroglycerin. 
Yes. That's he dies that's suddenly he for an old man in the frontier of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does. <laughs> like <laughs> he wasn't any sicker that morning than he'd been the day before. Yeah, no, it wasn't no, like, I know. Yeah, I mean, his heart's been bothering him for like six years at this point. <laughs> Ever since that Anne showed up. Um, it started before that. <laughs> That's why they sent for Anne, but yeah. boy Anne. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> boy Anne. <laughs> um, who, we, like, still don't really, do we ever meet the dumb person who forgot that they we wanted did. a boy? She was okay. the one who wanted to send her to Mrs. Blewett. Yeah. And oh, what okay. happened was Marilla told this girl, Roberta, who was the niece of the orphanage lady, she was like, hey, Holmes, get me a boy. And so she was like, hey, Holmes, get her a girl, because those words sound similar. Well, I think they were getting another girl. And they were she getting was just, another girl. Well, it was the niece of the orphan lady, and so she her, she goes to her aunt, and she's like, hey, aunt orphan lady, this people I know want a boy. And the orphan lady was like, do you think maybe they wanted a girl? Wink, wink. And she's like, oh, yeah, girl. That's probably what yeah, they yeah. want. was like, well, you know what? I never appear on screen, so go with that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No, come up and... Well, I mean, look, that's that's so, exactly the anyway, same sort of shit that got I'm, the orphan I'm going, girl I'm stuck going away the from the sad thing. Matthew's dead. Yeah, Matthew dies. Right. And I cry one for the his, next 35 minutes, One of his basically. four scenes. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's very, you know, he says that, you know, he loves her like his own family and all that sort of thing. And it's very, you know, it's perfectly affecting. Um, then the funeral, like, the eulogy is not it's super... It's a real bummer. It's like, yeah, we all die. We don't know why that is. And it's pretty hard. Yeah, Amen. Like, thanks a lot, Reverend Nietzsche. <laughs> like, good grief. Yeah, uh, Thomas is there. Hadn't seen him in a while with his mus- mutton chops. Gilbert's there. Who's going to get his bear grease? <laughs> <laughs> he figured out a way to fashion a you know very rustic moose out of all that yes. sugar. Yeah. And then we see Marilla standing out front of Green Gables. Some guy trots up and wants to buy the place. It's Mr. Sattler, the German guy. Oh, it is a German guy. I couldn't tell if it was the same guy or not. Can't you tell from his extremely good German accent? I no, must discipline so the sketchy. Green Gables. <laughs> <laughs> Your gables are green because they're undisciplined. I will season these gables. Make them into well-trained gables who will be able to hold the Western Front. He totally could have done that. The <laughs> timeline is perfect. It's true. The whole path of World War II changes forever. <laughs> we can't defeat the Gables. <laughs> this is Nazi stronghold in Nova Scotia. <laughs> so uh, she tells Anne about it, but she says she's not going to sell. And Anne's like, great, I'll sacrifice my career. And I will start teaching nearby so that I can kind of help out. Uh, and we also learn at this point that we knew that Marilla had had a uh, a beau in the past who had and had one argument with him and then never married because of that argument. And we learned that that person was in fact Gilbert's dad. So like you know, uh, the circle of time or whatever. This is real. <laughs> Rachel's glad that Anne's not going uh, to this university. Yeah, she is pro women and yet she is anti women's education. Right. Which is baffling to me. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Rachel needs good things to talk about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, uh, life's so boring without that mouthy red headed orphan from <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we finally we see Anne walking with the cows, and that's where I'm like, you know, look out. They've got a taste for blood. Like, be careful. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and Gilly rides up and is like, hey, <laughs> I'll switch I'll switch schools with you so you can be even closer to Green Gables. And Because, again, all I want is for you to be happy. Right. And then maybe someday, like, we can make out. Um, and he touches her face. Yeah, and they don't make out. Yeah. Which is probably why I was allowed to watch this. <laughs> right. Touches her face. Uh, you know, conservative Christians everywhere go crazy. <laughs> and that's the end of Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, man. What a chaste, sober look at Noble, early yeah. 20th century life. Yeah. And I'll say, okay, so I this is the first time I had ever seen it at all. I'd never read the book. I'd never seen anything. And I uh, I liked it. I mean... Maybe not the best circumstances to see anything for the first time when I'm sort of like trying to pay attention to it for the podcast and not just like watch it. But uh, I mean, I really liked. It's Megan, yes. Megan yeah, Megan follows. follows. I I thought she was great. Like you know, as you know, she needed to be to carry the the movie. Yeah, I, I was pretty did. surprised about her like acting career when I was like looking it up today, where she didn't really do anything after no. that. Mm. I know they have um, at the Stratford Festival in Ontario. They have like some like costumes of hers like displayed in their big like uh flagship theater and she worked with them for a long time i mean you can see that she's got a shakespearean like influence yeah in mm. all of her line readings but but like i was thinking like she was in like she's like small not named parts in like shitty b movies from a few years ago like yeah. she's she played uh like like retail clerk in the movie i am number four. Oh my oh. god yeah so it's like that's like that's one of those things like i hope you were somehow connected to the making of this movie or something and doing a favor and not that like you need that like uh that scale that's pay so weird you need yeah. that like ten thousand dollar scale pay i'm like i mean i'd, I'd go for ten thousand dollars right now oh but, yeah like, totally yeah yeah i wasn't but you're not i wasn't it, yeah i didn't have a shakespearean acting career in anna green gable so yeah. I mean, yeah i hope she's doing well hope yeah she's doing me good. too yeah I mean, Gilbert, like, who gives a shit? <laughs> right. But her. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the only three people who act in this entire thing are her, Marilla, and Matthew. Yeah. Like, they're the only people yeah. who put on much performance. Yeah. The uh, the second teacher, the lady teacher. Yeah, a little like, bit. She's, she's got a little bit. She's got a little flash. Like, yeah, but she's, like, barely in it, it seems like. Barely in it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's got, like, that montage at the beginning of New Age teaching stuff. And then yeah, she's, again, somebody who's much more present in the book. Yeah. But, you know, you can only... You only do well, so much. You can only do so much in this yeah. kind of and thing. And like Rachel and Diana's mom try a little bit, but they're not in it very much. Yeah, but either. they're so like and most of people their... in this movie are more Canadian than they are acting. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're not being polite. That's for sure. Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> They've started getting real. Um, <laughs> Canadian real world. The real world, <laughs> Avonlea. <laughs> yeah, but I mean Marilla too. Diana but... got alcohol poisoning. <laughs> yeah. The Marilla was very good. Like, and she yeah, I mean, was Colin in Dewhurst particular is like a for real person. Yeah, yeah. Like that was, you know, because it's, 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 a, uh, you know, like, Anne is almost an easier part just in that it's such a like quirky and like, it's thing. so manic. You don't yeah. have to like, like, you know, sell much. Yeah. Like not like she did a very good job with that mm-hmm. part, but then Marilla had a, had a yeah, sort of weird. She has a part. much more shaded. Yeah. Cause she has to be stern, but also yeah. like really loving. Yeah. But I thought again, Megan Falls was able to kind of play Anne's maturation in a very convincing way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you kind of see her become less petulant. Yeah. Yeah. Over the course of it, I mean, really, you and see, she's very like she's very good at doing Anne's weird monologues without yeah. seeming stiff because those could really, yeah, those could really easily go into like somebody just reading a list, yeah, kind yeah. of thing where well, like these are just lines I've memorized, and that's about. what I said earlier on. Like I could really see that coming from her fucked up childhood. 
I could I could feel that connection that that's what led her to be this way, you know, from her performance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. And it's one of the things like we just realized like we're talking about how horrible it would be to hang out with Anne, especially younger Anne, because it's just such a contrived personality when she's mm-hmm. younger and she kind of grows up into it when we get older. You know, yeah, as yeah. she gets older, that's like most, most people. people. Do. Yeah, yeah. Most yeah. People. We're all pretty contrived. Yeah, it's the thing when you hit middle school and you're like, I got to be somebody. I got to have yeah. something. You know. Yeah. I need a gimmick. Yeah. Somebody let me watch Gypsy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was just me. <laughs> like, that's your answer to everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't think that gimmick worked out that well for you in middle school. No, I really don't think <laughs> I was like, why can't I do my burlesque number in church? <laughs> yeah. It's great. Uh, yeah. So I think that's the end of Anne of Green Gables. I think it is. It's about the end. Yeah. Thanks for uh thanks for Come by next week, this. we'll talk about Anne of Avonlea. Yeah. I mean I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, we're not gonna <laughs> do that either. We have other yeah. fish to fry. Yeah, it's not on the poster. It's not on the poster, which will be posted on the interwebs. That's post right. that poster. Again, as long as we don't forget. But I think we'll remember this yeah. because it is very clever. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I think that's uh that's all we got. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. Thanks for having me. If you yes. wanna tell everybody where they can find you on the internet. Um uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm on Twitter at O'Shea Computer, uh, Facebook just Kevin O'Shea. Your Twitter and, handle uh, is one of my all-time favorite. Twitter thank handles. you. I, I like it a lot. I really. Yeah, uh, it's a Radiohead reference yeah. for uh, the. Uh, you could like Downton Abbey. You probably like, like yeah, Radiohead. like for uncool people. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Radiohead reference. Yeah. Yeah, but well done on both thinking that up and locking it down. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Well done. All right. So again, we'll be back uh, next time with whatever we're Shackleton, talking about. Shackleton, I think. Oh yeah, Shackleton. Oh, you'll yeah. love that. You oh, love I will. Antarctica. Yes. Great. All right. Well, until next time. Up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out. <laughs>